Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm going to see if I can do a pre-roll thing here in less than a minute. This is my good, bad brain. My name is Jared Sleeper. This is a podcast about mental health and being a person. I'm a person. I have depression. I also have ADHD. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert of any kind. But I think everybody's an uh, authority on their own experience. And so I talk to other people and myself on this podcast about how they get through, both objectively and subjectively. You know, like how they're doing, like subjectively, but also how do they do it objectively. You know what I mean? Uh, And hopefully we all fix our brains or, you know, get through this existence thing together. If you dig us, review us, uh, preferably a good review, but anything that's passionate and true to you is fine. Also check us out on patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain, which uh, you can give money to the podcast that helps it keep going and be alive, which is great. Also, there's some rewards. I draw little portraits and stuff of certain tiers in the style of the podcast because I draw those of everybody (laughs) every week. Uh, Yeah, that's less than a minute. That sounds good. Let's roll the theme song and get into it. Bye. Welcome to my good bad brain I'm a normal person so I'm insane I've got depression and ADHD But I'm doing better since I medicated me I'm still not always sure whether I exist Or what being a person even really is But I figured out a long time ago that Oh, man. Well, I tried that weird pre-roll thing. I don't know. We'll see if that sticks around. It's just the mood I'm in today. Hi, it's me, guys. It's Jarrett. And this is my good, bad brain, which lives up to its name pretty consistently. You know, bouncing all around in here. Um, I've been busy, man. Been busy and rhythms have been weird. You know, it's weird to, like, figure out a system that works for you and then some other stuff kind of comes along, derails it. And then you got to go, oh, damn, I got I to gotta adjust my systems, I guess. The systems that were so helpful. Now I got this new job thing, which I'm grateful for that I got on the, on the agenda and things to do. But that's going to change my schedule, you know? Suddenly certain things that were really regulating for me before are... Uh, they take a little bit too much time now. Maybe they become a stressful thing. And so the practices must adjust. And I'm in the process of adjusting. I've also been doing a lot more like reading or, well, books on tape. You know what I mean? Which, by the way, this might be the practical advice for the week. Is like, there's this app called Libby. And it's, I think there's also one called Overdrive. But it's basically local libraries on your phone. And so if you have a library card, like I live in Los Angeles. I have a Los Angeles public library card, which is P.S. Fucking insane! It's just the greatest thing ever. If you're not using your library, start using your library. But there's these uh, this Libby app. 
you can access all the ebooks and audiobooks that your library has from your app, from your phone, for free. It's like Audible, but for free. It's crazy. Um, so, not Spawn, but anyway, Libby. And I've been using that to make my time in the car, like, uh, or around working or whatever, a little bit more productive because I like to be learning stuff, you know? And I felt like, like I recently did something where I deleted every, I don't follow anybody on Twitter except for Metamucil and then D20 now because it's me and my brother's little company. But like, because I thought Metamucil was the only thing like really helping me on there. And that's not totally true. Obviously, there's some people that I love and I thought were funny and whatever. But for the most part, the feed had become so useless. You know what I mean? Like it just been such a drain. And I felt like I was just like, the world seemed so poisonous there. And that way of interacting with it in like 280 characters or less or, or, or tweet storms like these little, but it was just like such an awful way to take in information. And the form itself, like I think form does, you know, affect function very much. So, and the form of the smallness of it didn't make people more elegant. It made people more bombastic, you know, like everybody has to have like, I think the hope would have been right that, Oh, you have a limited amount of characters. So what Twitter is going to be now is this place where people are writing haikus about existence and things are beautiful and distilled. But they're not. They're just like ragey or bombay. Or, you know, everyone has to have a take. They're like hot take culture. Takes. And it was just so toxic. And also I was getting like dismayed by like how much I would say, I saw this tweet I saw that said, or like I saw this funny tweet or this is this thing. And instead of like having my own thoughts. And so I was like, man, I got to just purge this. Let's just take one distraction out of my life. So whatever. Um, and in the meantime, and like on, on the flip side, I'm trying to like put more useful things in my brain. Um, and that is where Libby, the Libby app comes in on these audiobooks that I've been listening to. And I've been listening to one about ADHD and romantic relationships, or I think it's like ADHD and marriage, but it's just basically in romantic relationships that are serious. And damn, is it fucking useful? Who knew reading books about things that you may or may not have? Like it's illuminating. I'm learning all this stuff about myself that I guess I knew forever, but Having a way that somebody like here's here's one that I found really fucking fascinating, and I was like, this is a great way to describe my experience. They're saying ADHD brains have a non-hierarchical reception of the world, so where other people can like receive things and go like, this is more important than this, and I can prioritize things, and I can focus on this, and and not pay attention to that thing. Like if you have an ADHD brain, everything just comes in at once, and there's no sense of hierarchy. Like. Every little distraction or uh, piece of information is as valuable as the next. And I was thinking like how that gives me a lot of things I love about my brain and a lot of things that I don't, you know? Like obviously the inability to focus all the time or the ease of distraction or the lack of sense of how long things take. The I used, I used to say like... Making, I can like, oh, I could uh, lose a whole day making coffee. Like making coffee can take a whole day. And that's true. Like... That happens all the time. That can be very frustrating. But also the poetry of that idea that like making a cup of coffee can take all day or like the constant input of receiving my universe in this big, beautiful, vibrant way all the time is like electric and really lovely. And I, I'm grateful for that. And uh, I don't know. The book is like these books, ugh, learning. Ugh, what, what am I saying? I'm like saying the most obvious thing in the world. Learning is good, which is a big theme of this pod today, I think, uh, with Lisa Schwartz, who I adore. I met her years ago also on my music. Um, 
and we just uh, got along since then, and I just think she's wonderful. So I knew I wanted to talk to her on this. Um, and the themes I wanted to talk to her about do come up, which were kind of like this, where, where does she get this sense of care that she puts out into the universe? She's very just caring to people in, in very practical ways. Um, but that did come up, and I do kind of steer things sometimes about what I want to talk about. But um, with her, she came with this thing... It comes up later in the podcast, uh, but basically just like approaching yourself and the universe with curiosity versus judgment. And that idea has been just sticking with me since we talked. I've I've said it a lot. I think I'm going to say it the rest of my life because, you know, binary systems are so useful, like in thinking. You know what I mean? Like they're not useful in actual approaching reality because nothing's binary, nothing like it doesn't help you. But being able to kind of like, for me at least, categorize reactions broadly, like, you know, just like broadly saying like being nice versus mean, right? Being able to broadly categorize my reactions to things and go, am I reacting to this with curiosity or judgment is so useful because most of the time it's judgment. Someone says something and you instantly have an idea of what that means, what it must mean, what it says about them, what it says about you, what they're saying about you. You're being accused or, or whatever. Um, as opposed to, oh, why did they say that? Really thinking about that. Why did they say that? What does that mean? What could that mean? Asking them to expand on what it means, whatever. And especially with self-talk. Like, if you do something bad, like, I was talking to my therapist about it recently, realizing, like, how I have this reaction where, like, something, like, the thought is, like, oh, I'm trash. I'm just fucking trash. I'm a trash person. And if I don't do the, if I don't, not just do well on this. If I don't do the best version of this that's ever existed, then I'm trash. I'm fucking trash and I should be killed and thrown out. And like, you're like, what is that weird judgy voice? I have to do, I have to not fuck this up. I have to or else. Well, if I, instead of did it with judgment, I'd be like, whoa, is that true? Curiosity. Well, I guess that's not true. Are you trash? No, I guess not. I guess not if I think about it for like two seconds and didn't don't just go with the judgment that I already like bypassed the curiosity. I've already figured it out. I don't know. And that's a self-talk with myself and others has been very useful. So that comes up. Um, Lisa also talks about having OCD and some anxiety stuff and how she battles that. And that's really useful because I think there's a lot that even if you don't have diagnosed OCD or, or anxiety stuff, I think everyone can relate to um, just about kind of dealing with your comfort zones and the way she goes about, there's some wonderful stuff in here that she, she goes into about kind of like just making the choice that you have to push yourself through it. There's a great part. Um, I just, I just don't want to spoil it. It's a lovely talk. It's a lovely talk. Pay attention. Uh, this stuff about pushing your boundaries, but also knowing the times to say like, eh, this is too much for me today. Being gentle with yourself. Curiosity versus judgment. It's just a wonderful talk with a wonderful person, which, you know, that's, I, I guess, becoming a, a, a theme of my good, bad brain. Okay? I think that people are wonderful, and I learn a lot from them, and I think it's great. <laughs> it's like so fucked up to like your own uh, material so much, I guess. But it helps me. What can I say? It's making my life better in tactile, practical, real ways week to week. You people are who listen, your feedback and your presence and these people I talk to, this is making my life better. Like this is making me better. It's making me 
walk my talk and become healthier. And it's like, fuck, these like best practices, better practices, giving a shit about yourself, trying, learning about yourself, making choices to make changes, communicating with other people and, and empathizing with them and commiserating with them and sharing experience. Like, holy fucking shit, it works. I think. Anyway, let's get into it. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the very wonderful... Lisa Schwartz. Woo! Which is weird that you have the hummingbird card right there. Because what is the hummingbird is pretty wild, right? Like, I, they're yes. very spiritual and they're very um, magical, I think. I think definitely they are. I don't but they know. Move real fast. I um somebody I the hummingbird first showed up for me in my life. Like I went on a date. It was like a Tinder date a long time ago, and I haven't hung out the person since. I don't know. And and we had a weird thing where like we had a good time. Maybe we went out twice. I don't know. We had a good time, and I think we like made out a little, and then we had to sleep over it. But we didn't do anything more. Just like we ended up sleep. I think we were both drunk and whatever. And they said at one point, uh, I we got on this as a dumb topic about like because I like the spirit animal stuff. Has anyone ever like said you are an animal? Like, do you have an animal that you get a lot? Because I just think that's interesting, and because I'm really into that, and it helps me cope with certain things. And I've always had like a few of them, mostly like bear, like the jerry bear thing, or like a wolf or whatever. And, uh, and I, I said that I get those things and she goes, you're a hummingbird. And I was like, huh? What? Like that felt very stupid to me because yeah. I was like, I'm not a little bitch hummingbird. Well, I'm not a little bitch hummingbird, <laughs> but also like no one's ever said that. It's right. always something with teeth and fur and like, you know, that like sniffs around your crotch and is like a psycho, you know, like a dog. <laughs> uh, and she said something really lovely. I like wrote a poem about it and my, I've been doing this poem collection, uh, and don't lie, but and she said something like, um, because you're, um, she said, like, because you're beautiful and delicate and untouchable. And I was so fucking destroyed by that because it was like the first time in my life. Because I feel like, especially, you know, you grow up as a male, cishet male in America, whatever, and you're so like, there's things you have to be to be cool. Plus, I meet her in this like courting phase. Plus, it was a time in my life that was kind of dark and like you're just out there looking for something to make you happy or okay. And to have somebody who, you know, in that context too, go like, no, I don't think you're a big scary thing. In fact, you're this thing that's like mm. elegant and precious and like, you know, delicate. I think she said, yeah. And I was just so like destroyed in like a lovely way by that. And then I looked up more stuff about hummingbirds because I thought it was so interesting. And then hummingbirds kept popping up throughout my life. And they're, they're really like, there's something in the, um, I did the math for the poem cause I thought it was funny, but like the caloric need they have is so insane to like live. Huh. They have to eat like they, it would be like the equivalent they burn through the energy. Yes, it would be the equivalent of, uh, of me of like 175, 180 pound guy eating like something like 200 pounds of ground beef or something. Damn, like I, I did all the math. <laughs> Maybe like, I don't know how many, probably, <laughs> but I was like. I don't know. There's just, there's such weird animals. There's like, yeah. how, how did that creature become like evolved to be that thing that like to be still needs to be going a million miles a moment and, and is able to appear still in that constant motion and just their weird like tongue thing and their nectar thing. They're just such strange, and beautiful. The sound they make. The sound. What is the sound they make? It's, I think it's because of their wings. It's like a, the, it's like, a buzzing of sort. Yeah. 
the buzzing. I feel like the yeah. buzzing, I relate to the buzzing a great Dude, deal. Dude, you are. You are a hummingbird. I think also weird, like I just always have avoided uh, bird bird iconography or something. I just felt like birds. I don't know why. I never like, I I had a stepdad who I once, he would like loved birds. He was like an Audubon Society once upon a time, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, and I remember saying one time, I was like, I just didn't like birds. They're just like insects with feathers. And he was like, Aww. they're like insects with, he was like so upset about it. Um, <laughs> and I always thought that was very funny. And I don't really feel that way anymore. But there is something very alien, very like dinosaur about them, you know, like evolved from down. They're very reptilian on some well, level. Don't dinosaurs now we know they had feathers? Yes. Which like fucks me up. <laughs> That it's one scary, right? But no one. It's so scary. Have you seen the pictures? It's like literal. It's like real life Big Bird. If Big Bird, Ew. if Big Bird became like, but like would eat you. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. But I feel like no one like wants to like give into that theory now. So like, I don't think cartoons are gonna like switch over and have that much better. Everyone's like, nah. This is the way we're doing it. Well, I think it's because like, you see like chicken. Well, like. I guess hawks are cool and stuff, but chickens are so stupid, like yeah. uh, in their sort of vibe that you're like, it's, it's less like Tyrannosaurus Rex. It means like the, the king, you know, the king of tyrants yeah, but this or something. Is false. We're living on a false, I know under false pretension. Some people, you know, a good lie is better than a bad truth to some <sighs> people. I don't know. Do you have an animal that you identify with or that you get a lot? No, but I've had animals like pop in. And you've been lease bug for a while. I've been lease bug. So I guess a ladybug. My dad just called me that growing yeah. up and like that was my first AOL name and now I'm stuck with it. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. That's literally like, a name. Yeah. I had some embarrassing AOL um, names. We all have. Uh, but, but some emails I've used are like the, still the same since yeah. I was like 13, like the number 13's in there. And I'm like, well, I was 13. So it's my lucky number now. <laughs> we keep, yeah. I'm but yeah, I've this. had like animals. Uh, so that is like crazy. I go to this retreat every year with my mom in Arizona. It's to a spa, which sounds like frou-frou and it is frou-frou, but it's a very spiritual place. Yes. And, uh, every time I'm there, I have like these weird, like, sort of like come what, to... Oh, you don't tell me what it is. What, what area Jesus is places. it? Uh, it's in outside of Tucson. So like 30 minutes outside of Tucson. So it's kind of like in the middle of yeah. just mountains. Yeah, my, my grandma lives in Tucson. My grandma and my aunts live in Tucson now. It's very... The energy there is very... It's weird. Yeah, dude, I was talking magical. about Arizona... Arizona's weird because on the one hand, it's like politically got this strange cowboy vibe of like conservative weirdness and they're a border state. So there's a lot of that. But then there's also a lot of like these kind of retreat spaces and like that sort of um, my grandma who's into like spiritual stuff like that was saying people talk about New Mexico a lot for like vortexes. But yeah, there's like yeah, a yeah. Lot oh, more. I want to go so bad. Me too. But you said there's more in Arizona. Like there's like a lot of like- It's the mountains, I think. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's a magical place. And I always have these like huge revelations and they usually are based around animals that I see continuously on the trip and then I'll never see again. Whoa. So like, uh, I was going through a very difficult breakup or it was right before I went through, I knew I needed to go through a breakup, yeah. but I hadn't done it yet. And I was walking down this path where everyone goes, but no one was there for some reason. So very populated hmm. area in this resort and two javelinas. <gasps> yes. That, that, they're like crazy they're boar weird. pigs. Yeah, they like, look like pigs, but they're, I think they're technically rodents, like uh, like the same family's guinea pigs or something like they're that. They're horrifying. They're actually very scary. In person. They crossed like right, like they teed right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And then one looked me straight in the eyes and I was like, this is it. Like, this is the end. Mm. I'm dying. And he just like bored at me. I don't know. He was like, yeah. and then I was like, Ugh. And then they just like walked past and I was like, what the fuck? And I looked it up and like, I can't quite remember now because it was so long ago, but javelinas have something to do about like 
either telling your truth or you've been living in a lie. Hmm. Something that basically like prompted me to like, I need to go through this. So then a year later, it took me about a year to get through the breakup and actually finally do it. You know how this goes. A year later, I was back at the same place and I had just like gotten through it and I was walking the labyrinth. They have a labyrinth there, which is like super powerful. And like, I randomly like turned to the left and I just see the tail end of a javelina like leave. And I was like, that was the end of that chapter and like that story. And since I've been back, I haven't seen one javelina. Weird. So that to me was just like, oh shit, this is like legit. Do you think that's so like, there's something about the desert I don't know. I I, uh, I went back to Chicago recently, and the Midwest is like fucking weird. I think, but the further east you go, where are you from originally? From out I'm here? From here? Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious how you feel about this, I guess. But like for me, coming from the Midwest and like the further east you go, it's like it's only a few hundred years, but it's a longer that people have been here. And also, like the the nature of the land is like more lush. There's like it's green, it's wetter, it's like. I was in the suburb where I grew up recently and I, and I was like, it would be easy to believe that there's nothing wrong in the world here, you know, as opposed to when you're in California and it's like wildfires and the droughts, a real thing, not to mention we're in like this major city that's on borders. So it's like the political stuff is very real. You feel like you're on the bleeding edge of like humanity and humans and what's going on versus this Midwestern thing where there's no problems. And I also thought it was weird. Like last, I went to Burning Man last year, like fell into going to it and it's very embarrassing to like how significant it was for me oh, I'm in the sure. scheme of things. That's what you hear from everyone. Yeah. And uh, there's like so much to, it's like everything's true. I was, I say like Burning Man's like Paris, like all the stereotypes are true, you know, like the good and the bad, whatever you want to find, you'll find there. But I think for me, a lot of it was just being in the desert for 10 days without a phone. And I think like the desert so when you go West, like we're in this Western, A, it's less time that people have been here and it's been fought over too. But like, there's such, there's something about the West that f- still feels like this place to go for newer things or something oh, like that's that. Interesting. And then with the desert specifically, because it's not a forgiving place that we've all carved out in existence. Like LA, sh- like palm trees aren't supposed to be here. Like we put them, you know, like nothing's really supposed to be as this desert that there's the Arizona is the same way that there's like, I think like all the Bibles, right. Or the, 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 the at least the Judeo-Christian Mohammedan ones, like they, they are all like in the debt, these 40 days in the desert, 40 years in the desert. It's this place that you go that like you speak to God or you speak to the devil or the burning bush talks to you. There's like something about being in the desert. And I don't know if it's just the power of narratives and being raised with like stories from the Bible or the Torah or whatever, and that you get it in your head about these biblical locations, like places of transformation are the desert. Or if there is something to like the weirdness of, the desert, like it's just you and... Yeah, it evokes sol- solitude for some reason. Yeah. And something about the heat too. It's very like, uh, you just like sweat it all out. Yeah, there's something very desolate about it. And maybe it's the plants, the, the plant plants. life, because there really isn't, it's very desolate. Yes, and very alien feeling. Like, yeah, like, like, like you're you on... The- Mars. Yeah, yeah definitely totally. like you're on Mars. And also like just the plants that are there are such like, you know, Joshua trees are so Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Or Choya or like Ocotillo, like these weird spiky, I don't know, it just feels very, even the javelina is like an interesting, it's like an animal. I'm always struck when you see animals, like there's antelopes or something in Texas, I think. And they, they look like something off the Serengeti. Like there's, it's strange to be in a place where like you've lived in the United States your whole life. You know about like, 
uh, mountain lions and bears and wolves and eagles. And then you come across this weird animal that you're like, I've never even heard of this animal. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Bizarre. Yeah. Desert Discovery. guys. Like Desert. places of like self-discovery. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's also just like anytime you go away, if you can put your phone away and like Oof. sit in yourself, especially like when I go on these retreats, like that's what it's for. It's like to literally recharge yeah. and just like sit with yourself, which is like a horrifying thing. I went last year by myself to this thing. Oh. I spent, I think it was like a week or four nights, five nights by myself. Right. It's an interesting experience. Yeah. That is, you talk much? Were you like quiet a lot? It wasn't like one of those, like you have Silent, to be quiet, yeah. but I was quiet with myself. I mean, I live by myself and I do a lot by myself, yes. but to be on vacation, quote unquote vacation with yourself, yeah. it definitely like highlights like your insecurities or like I, my anxiety was very much highlighted because I had no one to bounce my energy off of, like yeah. I had to sit in my... Does that help you, the other people to bounce the anxiety? Do you think I that think like disperses so. I mean, it? it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable when I'm with someone that I'm comfortable with. Right. Just making sure. My mom is a, a shopping fiend and she's like sending me pictures. Yeah. Um, I think I'm... Comf- I have a lot of social anxiety, which doesn't mean I'm not... Like, I'm fine talking to people. It's more like being in public places mm-hmm. by myself, specifically, yeah. scare the fuck out of me and, like, really trigger me. So What's when I'm the traveling, fear? It's so absurd. It really is so absurd. And, like, I can trace it back now. But, like, I'm so afraid of something happening to me in public. I'm afraid. I would rather pass out in my car like by violent? myself. Like, physically violent? I'm afraid of pa- Like, I feel like not violent. Like I'm not afraid of someone attacking me. It's more like me, like getting sick or me like passing out. It's hmm. like so absurd. And I don't, is I, it, is it like a, an embarrassment or a vulnerability? I think like physically? A, I think it's both. Yeah. It's like not, it's a lack of control. So if something happens to me in public, it's an embarrassment thing. And it's a lack of, like I have no control. Whereas like if it happens in my house, at least like, Mm-hmm. No one's here, and I. Can, it's so fucked. It's so yes. fucked. I, do you mind? I'm gonna. I'm gonna use that as like a little thing to like. I'm gonna. Tr- I'm gonna try out this new thing for yeah. this thing. Was like. I thought just with this pod because I like these freewheeling things and we're going to keep it fairly freewheeling because I always like learn so much just from someone's personal experiences and whatever. I think we all have a lot to learn from each other, but I wanted to try to like draw in some like what do you like current studies and things going on so we can keep learning about ourselves and blah, blah, blah. So I found just on the idea of control, like having control over what happens to you in public or what experience, uh, and being triggered. I found this article that was like recently published. Yeah. August 1st on like psychology, I think it was psychology.com, whatever it's, there's a study that came out about trigger warnings and whether they like help or harm. I'm going to read a little bit of this. Um, uh, okay. Trigger warnings or brief statements that warn about potentially upsetting content are on the rise in college campuses with 51% of professors reporting that they now use them. Uh, and just so, I mean, everybody pretty much knows what it is, but, uh, you know, a trigger warning, for instance, uh, might be issued before assigning literature that includes content depicting sexual assault or graphic violence because it is believed these topics may trigger or cause substantial anxiety for students who have experienced past trauma. So there's like a debate, I think that happens a lot, like anecdotally about like, oh, but is this bad for, you know, I had to read fucked up things and that helped me be better or blah, blah. So basically the study they did um, do, you know, 
This is a major debate about the effectiveness of trigger warnings. Do they give a useful heads up to content that may be harmful to those who have experienced trauma? Or do they limit free thought and undermine academic freedom, as the University of Chicago has told its freshman class? Uh, can they hurt mental health by encouraging students to avoid difficult topics, as psychology professor Jonathan Haidt has argued? Okay, so this recently published Harvard study asked these questions. Um, the researchers Benjamin Bullitt and Peyton Jones and Richard McNally. Those are quite quite the names. Uh, they had participants read passages from literary texts like Moby Dick or Crime and Punishment. But before reading these passages, half of the participants received a warning that read, trigger warning, the passage you are about to read contains disturbing content and may trigger an anxiety response, especially in those who have a history of trauma. So half the people got the warning, half the people didn't get the warning. The researchers found that being exposed to trigger warnings caused participants to rate both themselves and others as more vulnerable to developing PTSD. Trigger warnings led to no self-reported differences in anxiety between the two groups overall, but for participants who already held the belief that words cause harm, trigger warnings led to an increase in anxiety. Huh. Yeah. So it's kind of doing the opposite yeah. effect. Yeah, they're saying... So they, I should point out uh, a point that was made by this people and also the authors of the study addressed this limitation in their paper. Um Basically, it tested general populace. It didn't test specifically people who have PTSD. Sure. Which uh, they, you know, Peyton Jones said on Twitter, who is the, one of the authors, uh, the researchers plan to do a follow up study involving participants with trauma histories. Um, but the authors have also proposed that trigger warnings may be counterproductive for individuals with PTSD because they encourage people to avoid trauma, which sounds like obvious. Uh, but research suggests that avoiding trauma while beneficial in the short term can worsen symptoms in the long term. One of the most effective treatments for PTSD is a prolonged exposure therapy, which encourages repeated exposure to triggers so that patients can get used to them and no longer find them upsetting. Right. So really interesting. And there's like more stuff about like, you know, obviously the importance of this study is very limited by the fact that it doesn't specifically ask people with PTSD if the, you know, if the trigger warnings help or hurt overall. And um, that, you know, if they do find that in the follow-up study that like for people with traumas, it really helps a lot, then pretend, then that would be enough reason to keep doing them. But I thought that was like interesting that like yeah. this thing can happen where like, it reminds me of like um, with babies, like, like toddler kids. Uh, if you ever see like a toddler, cause toddlers like seem like they're made out of rubber and sometimes they'll just face plant or do like things that look really scary. Like they're oh. fine until their parents freak out. Yes. Yeah. Because they're being like, a seed has been planted. That's what this sounds like. Like reading right. the th trigger, you're like, you're already like thinking like you're going to be triggered. So you're like, pre, right. you're already pre ready. Like yeah. now you're looking for the trigger. I mean, how do you, do you, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, The I world know. is so precious right now. And I think everyone's just trying to like figure out how to, how to navigate it. So yeah. like, I think the intentions behind trigger warnings are good. Totally. Um, and also it covers people's asses. So like, you know, uh, See, that's weird though, right? That we all have this like litigious sense about like, well, I just want to make sure I cover my ass. Because to me, it's something I think about a lot with like, you know, being like, uh, who I am in the world, like a, a you know, a straight, cishet, white male, whatever, like, you, I, I feel like I recognize a lot of people who learn the right words and the right language, but never talk about the things that are fucked up about them or like that might be weird. And so we never really work them out. And so when people are just worried about covering their ass rather than actually connecting or figuring things out or being like, these are pre-held feelings or notions that I have about, uh, you know, people different from me or whatever on a personal level, like I feel like 
facing my fears was really important throughout my life. But I also think it was important that it was my choice to face my fears, that I recognized I was afraid of something or like, like you're talking about, like you go out and you, you had this anxiety about public aloneness. Like I'm just, you, you, you said something like living alone that triggered some stuff from not triggered in this sense, but like made me think of, um, in my own personal life, like, I hated being alone. I came from a family, like four, four kids in our family growing up and everyone's on top of each other, small houses. I still remember like that when we lived in the house with one bathroom. So in the morning you just leave the shower running and be like next and everybody, you know, running out (laughs) and that kind of thing. And, and then I had a girlfriend that I was in all this stuff and I had a roommate. And I remember the first time I was like in LA in the Valley, I think I was like 21 or 22 and my girlfriend had to go to her job. My other buddy went to do some work or something and I was alone in the house and I was like, I think I had a moment where I was like, I think this is the first time I've literally been alone in maybe my whole life or like, Whoa. I don't know, but I couldn't think of a time that there wasn't someone else around. And I had a little bit of a freak out since then. I mean, I'm 32. It's like a de- more than a decade later. Facing my aloneness was very important to me and has been one become something I cherish, you know? Uh, and I guess what I'm just saying is like in personal development of ideas of facing trauma, facing fear, facing anxiety, I'm really happy that I've done that. And I do think it's all made me better, but I do also think it was important that I picked it. Yeah, you did it on your you did it on your own. It wasn't like somebody coming and going like you're gonna get over this, you know. You, you face, you know. Yeah, but I also feel like everyone like works on a different. Maybe some people need that. So like, I have a therapist who is all about like when you're ready to uncover this thing, you're on. You're ready, like even though she like probably wanted to get in there and pull it right out, and she probably saw like what the hmm. actual issue was, but it's like. I've been when you're ready for this, whereas like uh, another friend of mine who has a very different energy and sort of personality than me, her therapist is the type and she needs the type that like calls her out on shit. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just a matter of like, yeah, I think for me it becomes like, I think I can smell so at least in my perception correctly, like whether something's performative or not. And the kind of like tough love performative thing, I often just turn off immediately because it's the same thing as people who are like, like I, I used to think about like acting classes and improv classes or something, like, but especially acting classes in LA, like I still do this like bit for myself or sometimes of like the acting class teacher. That's like tough. This, this, they're so good. They're just really honest. They're really tough. And like that, there's something in like some actors that like love to be just shit on by yeah. like a fake guru. This is all goes home back to your childhood. And like, it's the same thing with relationships, yeah. the type of people that you choose, how you interact with people, the people you surround yourself with. It's yeah. like some people need the well, fucking dick in their life. Like yeah, why? Well, it, we it don't does, know. It does feel like there's something about tr- trauma that wants to... Like if you don't name a trauma, you don't realize you're acting from a place of trauma, it will continue to manifest itself in your life. And I don't know why, I don't know why, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the way like, um, the whole idea that like people who are abused become abusers so often or sometimes, you know, that like there's something about needing to continue this pattern itself until you work it out or until you notice it, until you recognize it or work it out or want to make a change. Yeah. But a lot of times people aren't self-aware enough to notice it. And also right. there's comfort in what you know. Yeah. Right? Right. Yes. There's comfort in what you know. Mm-hmm. And it's also like changes f- really a lot of work. Like breaking through those things is really, really hard. Even just getting to the therapist's office is hard, right? Yeah. And then uncovering those things that you know deep down are in there, those traumas or whatever. Yeah. Like being willing to actually go there and 
an address. I yeah. mean, that is that well, I mean, that is very hard to do. You Can't were talking take that about lightly. you were talking about like things people don't tell you, like you know, hitting thirty, hitting like around that age, like that you're going to go through. Like, is some is there some of that stuff? I don't mean to like cue it up yeah, so neatly. Yeah, I think neatly, so. I think because for me to f- get into an actual healthy relationship. Mm. Like I've had relationships along the way and they're all great and I'm not shitting on them. But like, I think the, the reasons why a lot of them haven't worked have been because of me. Mm. And I think the issues that I was having were things I wasn't willing to address. And did you, so at the time, t- did you think it was the other person? Um, no, I've always, I, I think it was a combination. Yeah. It's just the way I would interact with someone or how I would, it's just like the habits that you have yeah. and you see it amplified when you're in a relationship right. because there's nowhere to hide. Like it is affecting the other person and what they're doing is affecting you. So I got to the point where I turned 35 and I'm like, well, I'm not married yet. Why? Not that you have to, right? But like, why am I not in a relationship that I could like really, really honestly see for the rest of my life, or at least and to is like that something you always with. wanted, or you just no, felt no, like no, you needed? just like I think I was just comparing myself to other people right. my age, which you're not supposed to do, but whatever, <laughs> that's human. Yeah, of course. Um, and it's like, okay, well, if I really want to get to the core of who I am and uncover these issues and like really be able to have a proper deep connection with someone, I got to unpack this shit. Mm-hmm. So I think like, I think that comes. Do you with think that, that proper age. deep connection thing is something that humans should like that you need? I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm asking this sincerely. Like I'm not, I'm not teeing this up to be like, well, no, anybody can do whatever they feel like is good for them. But like sincerely, I don't like, know. Like, I think there's something about when you're a kid, like being socialized correctly, like it helps if you have siblings, but if you don't have siblings, it's it's like humans have to be in social connections to each other to be well. Like if you were just yeah. isolated your whole life, you'd be fucked up. So if we can hold that to be true, then it could be on the table. Like, is it necessary? Do you think it's a necessary part of the human to have life a pair, cycle? To have to a pair or to pair. have a, to you, you just, you said a, I don't know how you just said it a second ago. You said like a deep, honest, like a deep bond with another person. Like yeah. You said you weren't able to do that until you could like clear some stuff out. Do yeah. you think that thing is important in itself? I don't know. Yeah. I still don't know. And I think that's part of like my crisis of, of this age is like so many people are just doing it, but I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Although I do know I am significantly happier now. Uh huh. But that doesn't mean because I'm in a relationship. I think it's just because I found a partner that like Mm. I can have open communication with and I can share like things with and bounce ideas off with without judgment. So like I've been in relationships where I haven't been happy. So it's not about being in a relationship. It's just about, I don't know. It's about about being seen or, or, or maybe less being seen because the way you're just, you're the terms you're using are like, Put, you can communicate with openly without judgment. I think there might be something about not the part of it being even received, but the part of like just being able to put whatever is inside of your head out and then not have it be immediately roasted or eradicated totally. or poked apart. Like just but to, does do you need a partner for that? Because also I think maybe I I'm happy because I'm finally not judging my, not always, but I'm working mm-hmm. on judging myself. So is it, this is just well, a byproduct of like, maybe. Oh, but it's also fun. Cause I can like, 
Maybe. Have a cute boy to kiss? Well, because it will be, because if you have this person, though, who doesn't judge the things that you're used to having be judged and that you judge yourself, I wonder if there's an aspect of, like, you're having somebody else demonstrate for you not judging you. Like, you know? Yeah, like, that's like interesting. If you meet somebody else who doesn't judge the things that come out of you and actually loves them, if you're like, whoa, wait, I'm allowed to do that, too? Someone else can do it. Yeah. You know? Maybe. It's also just like life is really hard. It's hard to navigate through. Yes. This is why there's religion and all these things, right? <laughs> uh, you know, even spirituality, all this like woo woo shit that we're into, everyone f- grasps onto something. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, a partner is just kind of the same thing where it's like, how do we like, let's navigate through this together, especially in this right. time. It's like nice. And that's what friends are for too. And that's what family's for. But. I don't know. It's it, it is interesting. I never thought I was like that girl that was like I'm gonna have a mar- a wedding and do right. like that wasn't all my like. Do you list. want a wedding thing, dude? That seems expensive as fuck. I agree. I every time I think about like wedding, I, I gotta go to another one. This is the year that weddings have kicked in for me. Oh, like I've gone I had to one two of those or three, years. and now I'm like, yes. uh, it sounds so fucking stressful to and they me. All kind of become the same. I You'll just don't. See. You know what I mean? Like I don't why. I, yeah. Ooh, the idea I that I'd have to you'd have to go perform. Like I don't like doing pinatas. I hate. Oh, I don't want to be like yeah. at the center of the attention. No. I, uh, I I like pinatas are like fun for oh, some pinatas. people. <laughs> whenever I'm in, whenever I have to do a pinata, I just don't do it. I just I'm like I, I'm uncomfortable with doing a violent thing How blindfolded often in front are of you people. Like, I, like this presented. past weekend, I, I had either was one. I didn't do it. I just go no. I don't. I don't like to do pinatas. No, thank you. But like. Uh, there's something in the same vein for me. I, I can't, ex- it's like, there's, there's something. Everyone's watching you. Yeah. And it's, it's like, there's something, everyone's watching it. Maybe it's cause I do like violent sports or something like that, but I'm like, the oh, idea the pressure that everyone's to really watching you. That little fucker open. Yeah. And also just like the weird, like, like if you watch like nature documentaries and see animals like kill each other, you know, like hunt, like a lion hunting a wildebeest or something, there's something very fascinating about it and very like beautiful and life cycle and strange, but also like vulnerable. Like there's something like pornographic about it. Oh, totally. To like see real violence and not like boxing between people. Right. And there's something about like anytime I see people do pinatas, something comes out of them sometimes. It's not like crazy, but it is like I'm. I can't see, so I've taken a thing away, but and I want to break this sincerely. So they're sincerely swinging violently, like blindly in front of them while someone's tricking them. And it makes me very uncomfortable, you know, like while someone's going, oh, and like moving it while they're, sin- and I'm like, someone's going to get caught on a backswing who's oh my, just trying to I have a good time. I actually have a pinata story for you. Oh, yeah. I used to work as a birthday party entertainer, uh-huh. which meant I was a clown a lot of the times. So I went to this like one, and you would just like get the address and go. Like, Do you mean like a literal clown? Like you would like a nose and you'd be a clown or like you're or like figuratively like you were being a princess but you were like being no, a clown? No, I was a fucking clown with a red <laughs> nose. Like a lot. But I like tried to be cute. I like wore pigtails but it was like hor- horrific and people would just call me clown. Like I didn't have a name. <laughs> it was like clown. And then you like get the an, parents and stuff? Yeah, just um, like clown. Uh, clown. No, clown. yes, correct. Oh. So degrading. So like and you would just get an address and a costume. Like that was it. <laughs> <laughs> At a time. Like no information. So you just like show up and like hope for the best. But like this one time I went like, you go everywhere in LA. I mean, I've been everywhere to like the richest people to the poorest people. I've done parties on like cements, Mm -hmm. slabs, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So this house was like, it was like a all Spanish speaking party Mm -hmm. and they were very lovely to me. 
except when it came to the pinata time. So it was like this very small backyard and everyone was like crammed in. Like there was a lot of fucking people in there and all these kids running around and like, so it's time for the pinata. So I like stand there because mm-hmm. I'm like kind of hosting this party. <laughs> There's two guys up on like, they had like, um, concrete walls in uh-huh. the backyard instead yes, of fence. Yes. So their guys are standing on like opposite sides holding the pinata uh-huh. and they're doing like this and they have some song in, in Spanish for the pinata and I can't like tell you it because yeah. I don't remember but it like you know has a good rhythm and they sing it and so like the grandpa the grandmas are all sitting in folding chairs and everyone's doing it and the kids are swinging it's like chaos in my memory totally. and I'm dressed like a, a clown I'm just like little blonde white was chick. It hot? Was it hot out? It was always, always of hot course. out. <laughs> just sweating and, under yeah. like clown makeup. Oh my God. And I'm just miserable. I'm like, so they're doing it. And then at one point the kid swings the thing back and hits me so hard in the stick oh. in the stomach. Oh. And literally like in my memory, at least everyone turns points and laughs, <laughs> in- including all the grandmas. Like just like, Oh, "Oh, this is like the worst thing that could have like the grandmas were pointing at the little sweet i mean that is funny to admit like you're literally a clown getting hit with a stick like that's the most medieval like humor yeah yeah this is like what they used to do back in the day a child a little child a little child swung that stick so and like i just remember seeing like the grandmas sitting on the like the little sweet grandmas who were previously like (laughs) you know Singing this sweet song, <laughs> laughing at me. Anyways. <laughs> no, that's really weird. That's very dark. That's it's a very, very dark, dark memory. So I don't like pinatas either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, there's a part in, uh, that's like that part in Billy Madison or whatever, where the clown dies or like falls oh, yeah. over and he's like, you know, and he sings later and he's like, but you thought that I was dead. He's like, I just got head trauma. It's fine. Like, I don't know. That's so weird, man. That's so, that's so weird. That's, I was thinking a lot about the idea of a jester recently, like, yeah. like that, like in, throughout history and that like, I don't know, someone said one time, like, um, cause I like love Bill Hicks and like those comedians that like do like philosophy and like they get just like they're just ranting at some point i thought like hannah gadsby's re- re- i think it's her name nanette that thing on netflix is kind of like in this vein yeah i haven't seen that yet it's but really i hear great good. things where they just like that. tell the truth but yeah. this idea that like uh if you're gonna tell the truth you better make people laugh because otherwise they'll kill you and like throughout hmm. history like prophets like you know always get assassinated always get killed for like saying the truth but if you can say the truth and then just be like ah, i'm just a comedian though or you say it and it makes people laugh like that's then it's okay. Yeah. And like the fool, the idea of like the fool, I think I was thinking about it in the context of like life coaches and this consistent joke that like there's no life coach that has their life together. Like, sure. you know, yeah, yeah. but that like, that actually makes sense to me. Like we have this like insane idea to me, insane idea. Like, like look at sports, like, the coaches, the people who are the best coaches are not the best athletes. It's like teacher, uh, acting coaches. Yes, yeah. acting coaches, but like basketball coaches, weightlifting coaches, like they can't, gymnastics coaches, they can't do what their people do, but they spent their life observing and practicing how to, to affect. And so, they know how to communicate. And we go, okay, so they're the best at that. But then if you apply that to like really personal social stuff, right? So, so then that's like the life coach thing to me. It would be like... Of course, a life coach can't f- fucking operate in their own life. They're so overwhelmed by seeing the strings, like uh, in the best version of it, right? This is the same as a jester who can say the truth to the king and not get his head cut off. It's like you are so capable of seeing how everything is connected that you can say to other people, yeah, obviously your trauma is this and you need to do this, this, and this, and then things will be fine because you can see like, 
the blueprint lines through the air of how society and people work. But you can't apply it to yourself because that alone is so overwhelming. You're like, what, you want me to then go do this? No, no, no. Like you can come consult with me and I'll be like a weird witch on the edge of town who like their hair's always all crazy and they smell bad. (laughs) But like, I can tell you the truth. It's just, I'm so overwhelmed with the truth. I don't know. I think that about people with kids too. Like people who are like not good parents or like bad to their kids. And then like people who don't have kids are like, man, people are really not nice. You got to be this way or that way. And then people are like, you try it. You don't have kids. I'm tired. Screw you. But you're like, don't you think like you're in it? You're emotionally invested. You can't you can't see clearly what's right in this situation. You are tired. You are it's going crazy. It's the same crazy. with like talking to friends about relationships. Like, yes. And giving them advice. But then it's like really hard to fucking yeah. turn around and do it on yourself. It's just a lot of parents are on really abusive relationships with their children, <laughs> you know, not like literally, but like really codependent, really toxic. <laughs> children sounds exhausting. I, do you want to have kids? Do you think? I don't know. Yeah. See, again, like I feel yeah. like I'm supposed to know all this stuff at this age. And it sounds really difficult. It sounds really like to me, I think it's weird that we are all supposed to universally as organisms go, oh, great. You know, someone has a kid or congratulations. That's so great. Like you're supposed to universally. And it feels like that's fading a little bit. I feel like in our, in the culture of people, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like you watch movies or TV and it's like a trope of movies and TV and stories that someone's pregnant. And everyone's like, oh, wonderful. But like, I don't have that reaction instinctively at all. I think like humans are a virus and there's too many of us already. Also, and like, why are damn, you doing that this? sounds expensive. And, and also our world is a mess right now. My, I, had, I have one friend who said like when he finds out somebody has a kid or they're having another kid, he immediately just goes, oh, you're rich. Like you just got yourself an accessory that's going to cost you like an extra hundred grand a year or whatever. <laughs> You know, to send it to school and take care of all the things and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, but then there's a lot of people that that, that, that don't have exactly. the resources to do it, and it's terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know how my parents did it. I mean... I, yeah, I don't know. Times have changed. I, I think know. times have changed. Yeah. I think it's, like, not crazy to feel that way. I mean, just think about, like, I the... the population having doubled in since like the, the 70s like when you look at like population maps of the the humans in the world over history and how weirdly it's just like spiking up all of a sudden i don't know that feels like it adds in too where i'm just like i don't i don't know i guess I'm, i went through a phase where i felt like very biological like let's make some kids your clock was ticking I, yeah it felt that way like yeah. my late 20s there was like a really weird i remember just like a smallish window of like should just get someone pregnant. We should do that. You know, oh, it did not like, in I'm a glad gross, that passed. not in like a real way, not in like a, like, you know, without them knowing or something no, no, like no. that. But, but you still, know what I mean? It was like an instinct yeah. to like breed. Well, I think that's how we're built. I think so too. Right. I, yeah, we are. It's weird. Like, I'm so glad I like, I feel like I really dodged the kid bullet. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't but know. Like, like, I have a really that, close relationship with my mom and I'm like, this is a special relationship. I know. I love my siblings. I love my nephew. My sister had a, a baby and he's amazing. I just think there's, I, I don't know, the weird um, instinctive, like that's a good thing and that's a thing that should be done and that's how you'll be fulfilled is like, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't think that. But it's okay to think outside of that norm. Yeah. And decide first. But then it's okay then if you turn around and like decide, oh, I actually do want that and not feel like guilty because you're like following what everyone else is doing. You know what I mean? I feel like that's what I'm battling now. It's like, okay, I've been so adamant about like, fuck marriage, fuck babies, da, da, da. Now now that I'm like in a relationship that like feels correct, I'm like, 
oh, it, like, but like I could like, do it. Yeah. But like, I'm not that person, you know, it's like, yeah, that's just like circling around yourself. It's just like, just trying to live in the moment and do. That made me think it's not, earlier. I had this thought and I just didn't, I was thinking about the, the importance of the partner thing that you were talking about. I do think, especially if you're like us, if you feel like a big mess and you're not really sure what your reflection is, you're not really sure who you are. Um, especially if you have like anxiety or, or bad thoughts about yourself, maybe you're a bad thing in the universe, a bad person, whatever. Like I come to rely a great deal uh, for my sense of reality on the visions other people hold that I trust. And especially, I mean, I think all of us are really dominated by narratives, but I think people in art especially are like, you're dominated by narratives, like story. What's the story of my life? What story am I living out? Who am I? And what's the story of me? Blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it can be very hard to get a positive one. And if you find somebody else who gives you a positive vision of yourself, yeah. like the hummingbird thing, or like yeah. somebody who doesn't judge your shit and actually really likes it and really loves it, thinks it's or, or sees better things in it than you have heard or could see. I don't. Know, I think a lot of my trusted group of people are become they're people who you trust to like hold visions of you that are true in your mind. Like they won't like just blow smoke up your ass, like for whatever their purposes are that they want your approval, but who do offer you a vision of yourself as something maybe better than you are. Like this is actually maybe related to the trigger warnings and the facing your fears thing and blah, blah, blah. And the tough love thing. Some people like love the tough love thing. I, I, you know, and, and that's like our whole system is set up with that. Like the toughest situation in school and training and testing, the best people will rise. Competition is sure. always the right thing. But I, I, uh, I think really sincerely, like I know I do my best work. I am most realized, whatever, when I am given space and trust. And a bigger part of it is belief. If someone says like they really believe in me, they know something good is going to come out of me, um, then magically it will. Like whereas if they go, ah, you can't fucking, you know, that's like the typical American like vision of like, of like, you'll never do it. And then you'll be like, and then the person goes like, I'll show them and they yeah, rise to the top yeah. and then the coach or whatever is just oh, like, I don't thrive I knew like that. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. And that story, I think, I think of like how many people are in our, in our schooling system and our stuff are like left are, are, are I mean, how much is lost to society by not creating space and safety and encouragement instead of like challenges to overcome that will give us the strongest and best, you know? So I don't know in, in relationship and the people you put in your life or who resonate with you or you stick around with, like when they, I think I am a hundred percent certain I'm a better person because other people in my life have told me they think I'm a better person that I am. Oh, they're vision boarding for you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Them holding and presenting a vision gives yeah. me something to be like, I can be that. I'll, yeah, I can. That's beautiful. That's why you got to surround yourself with good friends and stuff. Like, I, think I know, but do you think that is like part of your whole, like the thing about like finding a relationship that yeah, works I for think, you? You know, when they're like, they make me a better person. Like all these things that sound so cheesy. Like I actually guess that's, True. Yeah. Like I haven't been this happy in probably ever. Do you think being happy makes you a better person? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. I, I think don't know. so. I never, yeah. I, mean, I haven't thought about it until you said that. Um, but I think we do have a thing of like smart people aren't happy is like kind of a thing in our culture, you know, like the whole like funny people are negative and they, they pessimistic. Cause that's like where a lot of humor lies and seeing how shitty things sure. are and only a sucker, only somebody stupid enough to like not see global warming or whatever could be happy. But I kind of think like in my experience and the experience of seeing people around me, like when people get happy, they do more good. Like they spread that happiness. They, 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think it's Pollyannish. Well, I think it's no, like... No, it's because your, your actions then are coming from like a real positive place. Like, yeah. you're, you're walking through life with like good intentions instead of poor. Yes. I feel like that's like, like self-love is hard for people to grasp because it still sounds like, like I, I've finally been able to verbalize to myself, like really trying to say like self-love isn't having a crush on yourself. It's not being like everything they do is so great and enchanted and I love it. It's like holding a space for love on yourself. Mm -hmm. But that like, it makes me feel like what we're talking about, it is incumbent upon us if we do want to be a positive force in our communities and our families and our worlds, whatever, to become happy. Yeah. Because like, if you are, if you're unhappy, you just like kind of fuck shit up more. Yeah. That's weird. It kind of like makes it easier. I feel like for my mind to think about like, I have to make myself happy. I have to do things to be happy because otherwise I'm just going to be a destructive force. That's such a basic need. And that's like nice to be able to verbalize it that way. Instead of like, I need to like unbox all this bullshit and stuff. It's like the main goal is like, I want to be happy. So how do I get Right. So how do I get there? Right. And some people will get there in different ways. It's like, it's very ironic and hard to grasp. I feel like in, in our like puritanical, whatever to like try to, you know, cause it sounds selfish to like try to be happy. So to my brain, it's still on some level hits me as like, who do you think you are? You know, I, do, I mean, I'm yeah, past that, like but I'm just saying that's common. Thing, right. Yeah. But also people like happiness, like, People could be like, well, I'll just get wasted and then I'll like feel happy for the moment. It's yeah. like, no, we're talking about, we're not talking about that kind of like quick happy. We're talking about like actual, like, right. What? Well, well, well the, like joy, like we're joy. talking about like joy yeah. and generosity and kindness and like a celebratory, like, you know, it's interesting. We, we were chatting about this briefly earlier, but like the culture of the internet that like, as we like, you know, you've been very involved with that over the inception of it. Like if, if somebody, like someone, someone we know will write a book eventually about like this weird 10 year period of like the start of this new YouTube thing. Right. But that like, we both recognize a pattern that like what's popular is this idea of drama. Yeah. And it feels kind of nasty sometimes. It does. Both in like nasty in the sense of cruel or, or whatever, that kind of a thing, having an object it needs to like laugh at, but also nasty in the sense of like kind of gross to me, like nasty. Like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's something like about it. it's like people like reality TV. It's like, it's like weird drama, like, which is the same on the internet. Like well, people just like, like I was telling you, like yeah. my videos that are titled <laughs> things that like are like depressing or sad, like do so much better than like, I'm happy. <laughs> no, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I wonder, I, like part of me totally understands that. Like I, I, I love gossip, but I don't love, and that sounds like funny to say because I think it's like a vice of mine or whatever, but like I've realized it's not, the gossip instinct that I have is not one about, and maybe this is how a lot of people feel when they come to like, you know, drama, nastiness, whatever, but like the gossip feeling is not one of like, shitting on someone, tearing someone down, destroying. It's just like it's just a love of drama in the sense of like plays and stories and narratives and human right, beings right. doing human being stuff and their their relationships and their loves and their hates and the way they behave from petty places or because, It's like, a character study. Right? Yes, that's fascinating. And also just it's just a beautiful like human life cycle thing to like all our our dirty parts and our clean parts and all that stuff. So I like that and I understand that people would go like, "Oh, there's but um and there's a connection like I oh I feel like that right so it's interesting to see it but it's weird I don't know it, it feels like like there's this thing on the internet 
because as, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about like there's also this weird culture of the internet that's like meant to be protective and supportive and like, uh, like yes, queen, like oh great, you know whatever. Yeah, yeah. But something about it feels like people will just want to take. Part. I don't. I'm having difficulty verbalizing this because it's an emerging thought as we're talking. This but is just me in general. Your difficulty is like me in general yeah. now trying to navigate. Well, it's like, like, it's like this feeding frenzy occurs. It's like where it's like if you put the the sad fucked up thumbnail about like you're unhappy, it allows other people to. Oh my god, I just thought of something so dark and weird. <laughs> I listen to this podcast, this history podcast about. Uh, it's the hardcore history. When I mentioned it here before, I just like love this podcast. And they had one episode called painfotainment and it was about the history of public execution and torture basically it's really fascinating like one of the most fascinating things in it is like basically he says this thing if they had let the popular opinion of like people and you know if they had let them have their way and let them decide like oh should we keep it never would have gone away like people like never stopped loving public execution and torture crazy but one of the things there's this one tale and like because they're talking about how these like different forms it took like because it would become like this big event people like come from all over to watch it happen and they'd sell food and everyone would hang out dark dark and because like a lot of it throughout europe wasn't just an execution it was like like it was called breaking on the wheel like they would put you on this wheel and they'd like break your limbs with bar it was this whole thing oh my god and there's this one story that, that he was talking about like in this part i think it was like in germany this part of germany for a while but it was like that public executions became and the breaking on the wheel, the whole process of it became these oddly like spiritual events where the person who was being tortured to death would be repenting as they uh, were being tortured hmm. and they would like call out Bible, like call and response, like Bible, like scripture or hymns and people would sing it back to them the crowd and the Jeez. person and people would like weep and Whoa. they would this whole and it would become this big spiritual like Whoa. through this like almost Jesus stuff like through this person's torture and death and the Whoa. things they're going through and their salvation at the end of their life we are all experiencing this thing as like a village together that I'm like damn I wonder if that's some of this weird instinct towards totally. drama like someone immolating self-immolating online they're going through their shit whatever and then we all get to go like we're with you and oh my gosh I feel this you know your pain resonates with my pain yeah. and we all have so much pain but like by us getting to tell you you're going to get through your pain it's going but the weirdness of like that's a beautiful concept but when it becomes like, I need content every week. Yeah. You know, so people are just like, how can I get more fucked up things yeah, so we yeah. can all, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, you're like creating a whole factory where we can manufacture, not like true drama of a story, not true self, a true thing happening, but like, how can we manufacture pain, like redemptive pain stories for each other? Ooh. Uh, maybe. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. But that's reality TV too. Yeah. But the strangeness of that with reality TV, because you see people then like, you see this on YouTubers also. Like I remember the first, even early days of YouTubers, whatever, like people, I still think it's weird. Some people are better at it than others, but like the strangeness of like, are we all just winking and nodding going like, we know this isn't a real person doing human behaviors or is there like a whole generation of people who like can't tell the difference between the, Hey guys, and I'm a, I'm on YouTube and this thing happened and it's crazy who can't tell that they're being sociopaths. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of YouTubers who like you I watch think a lot them, of people that do it don't know the they difference. They don't know. That's crazy. I think that is true. Yeah. 
I don't know. And I think that about like, so I actually like watch more reality TV than I do YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so like I, this is why I just keep bringing it up. Cause I'm fascinating. Cause I'm watching big brother right now, which uh-huh. is like a fascinating character study, well, which is hardcore. What we're talking about like, cause yeah, that is true. Like reality TV is where you first started seeing this thing. YouTube probably couldn't have come about if not for reality TV, yeah. but this like performative humanity where you're like, definitely not, being a person and you're not a good enough actor to but fake that's, it. But that's what's crazy to me. It's like, they kind of are the best actors, but are they like, yeah, it blows my mind, these people, because it's like, you can't write this shit. Well, I, I, thought, I think about actors sometimes, like certain actors are like, better at being human than me like like in the sense of like I've, there's moments, I, I can't remember the last one I saw, but I remember I, you see something and they, perform a human behavior on screen that you're like, they're more human than I'm human (laughs) in this moment. And that if you then feedback loop that you've, you've witnessed a way to be human and learned it. And then now you go out and try to do it in your life, but you're not as good at it. And then if you just keep take that cycle like a million times, that's like you get reality TV and YouTubers. You know what I mean? Like this performative humanity, like they've learned how to be a human from people they saw on TVs or other screens and then incorporated that. And so now they know how to like do the whole dance and and music song and dance of being a person going through things. But they, yeah, like you said, they don't even know that they're pretending. I don't know. <laughs> now I just feel like we're really high. But yeah, dude, Ooh. life is a trip. And I think it all is all based around like death too, right? Like, What do you mean? Like, we have this, like, impending, like, we all know it's coming. Mm-hmm. All of us are going to die. Do you think about that a lot? I'm not afraid of death, but I do love, like, true crime. Like, I you love, do. oh, I love it. And I like this idea of, like, ghosts and shit. But, like, I ultimately, like, what are we doing here? And, like, we all know we're going to die soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just, yes. like, so it's interesting to see how we're all processing that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Cause in the yes. end, that's what we're processing. Cause we're like, well, what are we here to do? And that's what everyone says, right? What is my point? What's the point? What are we here to do? But the end of that is death. So what are <laughs> we, what are, what are we supposed to do before we die? It's all about death. Like literally every moment to moment day is coping with this reality that it's going to turn off one day. I was yes. thinking about this on the way over for some reason out of nowhere. Did you see the movie No Country for Old Men ever? I feel like I probably slept. Through I like it. It's a good movie. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah just, you could I do sleep it. through a lot. Yeah, that's of it. okay. I, that, yeah. It's a movie you could do that. It's got a, a vibe that's kind of that way. But one of the things I love, I know why, because I was listening to a, a podcast about script, script writing or something like that. And they were talking about, these people were talking about how they really like indie movie kind of things that like, they tried to write a movie that wasn't, but they love movies that have those ambivalent endings. And I love the ending of No Country for Old Men because it just ends. Like the narrative for some people, I assume, is like not, it's not a very, you know, neat, complete, ex- great, yeah. but it definitely has a start and a middle and an end. And then when it ends, it just ends almost like in the middle of a thought, I feel hmm. like. It's like the end, you know what I mean? Like it just yeah. turns a black screen. And I was thinking, I don't know why. So it just resonated when you said that, but it resonated with me like, oh, that's dying. You know, where <sighs> I was like, that you're like, I, I take great comfort. I've heard, I've said it here before. I take great comfort in this thing that like, I don't fear death either. Uh, the actual thing of it, like a lot of it because Mitchell Davis, I think said it on this podcast. Like I, 
I, I don't know what happened before I was born, but I know I'm not afraid of it. It wasn't scary. It wasn't painful. It wasn't no, nothing about it was horrifying. So I'm just going to go back to whatever that was. Yeah. You know, and, and that's so strange, but that in this time in these three dimensions, it's really wild to think about literally everything that we do on some level as a response to coping with that idea that it's going to end. Yeah. Even if it's like the little joys of like, I like my trash TV or I like this, you know, whatever. Um, I actually use it as a great comfort to me when I get too existential and weird, like as on my don't kill yourself list, reasons to stay alive, I like coffee. Right. And I say a lot, there's coffee in the morning. Like there's something about these tiny little things that again, in compared to the grand infinite impossibility of death and life and things that like, but coffee is just undeniable. It is good. I just love it. And I can get it at any time pretty much. And it's weird to think that all of our performative humanity are seeking out like is kind of like just nerve endings. Like, well, what makes you happy? What moves you towards happiness or away from happiness or something resembling happiness? You said something about like, things are comfortable. So you just keep going, you keep them because of that, you know, yeah. I, I think that about like habits in general, because oh, then you, yeah. you add into this, your organism, as far as your organism is concerned, whatever you're doing right now, if you are still alive is working. And so it doesn't, your, your biological imperative is not to change anything. Sure. So even if a habit is uncomfortable for you or makes you unhappy every day, if you're, it's con- how you function. If you're continuing to breathe and eat every day, then yeah. fine. It's fucking working. Don't try to change anything. Yeah. 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 You know, that's why change is so fucking hard. Yes. Change is very hard. It's very scary. Yeah. You have to like tell this thing that evolved over millions of years to stay alive that like, I need to shift the system to something else. Yeah. And you have to like overcome that. Yeah which is hard. Sorry, I'm going off. We're like all over the place Death. a little bit. Death. No, but I just like appreciate that you brought it there because I think that that's like... Well, that's what it is. So very I... Very accurate. I, uh, my grandpa's 101 years old. Damn. His wife is 100 and they are living it up still. What's their secret? So he, this is his second marriage. So my grandma had passed and he has a whole nother life after her, but it's beautiful they just have fun and they like, he still they, takes the second marriage how, how classes. Um, I think they got married at like 80. That's amazing. That's actually, yeah. I just like to know because like, I feel like my mom's having like second life after 50. That is like very great to hear about because we're so youth oriented. And even for us, even oh my like, God. My mom's like, having a whole nother life right now too. And yeah? she like gets dressed up for her boyfriend and puts on heels. And it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. That's really cute. But my grandpa's 101 and I went to visit him and he still takes classes at mm-hmm. this like local little college. And I asked him cause they talk very openly about death because they're a hundred and 101 mm-hmm. and all of their friends have passed, but they speak very like openly and very positively about it. Really? They're basically like, they were talking about like if this per if she passes first this is what's going to happen they say we understand this is morbid but this is just our reality now and so i turned to my grandpa and i asked him i said are you scared because he could they kind of opened it we're so afraid to talk about death especially with old people Mm -hmm. right you don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable and everyone's uncomfortable but they opened the gate so i was like are you scared and he said no i'm just sad because i really love my life He's like, I'm just not ready. And I'm like, you're 101 and you're not ready? That's a, it's, it was like the yes. most beautiful. So beautiful. And like. The fact that he's still doing classes is, is that sound, that's me, that's like. He keeps his like mind. I think curiosity is an enormous virtue. Absolutely. I think we should encourage everybody, like treat it like a virtue as much as being generous or kind. Like curiosity is so important. And like 
never assuming you know about yourself or anything, right? Like always being hungry for more stuff. That's like my dream is like just to take classes. He's taking religion religion classes. So he's taken cool. every single he's he's learned about every single religion. He like mm. told us all the different theories from different religions about Jesus. It was very interesting, but yeah. And they have cocktail hour every uh, day at four. And oh, that's uh, good to know. <laughs> I, yeah. I like kind of stopped drinking this year, which has been good for me for now, but I'm like, I don't know. There's something about that. I love to hear about. Cause I think there's something in like ritual that they have is, ritual. It's like, yeah. co- and then they sit and they talk and they sit in their chairs and they laugh a lot. And Anyways, I don't know. Do they, how do, they do that, physical but. stuff? Do they have any food secrets that they eat? Anything specifically? Dude, they eat like microwave shit. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, I know. But also, you have to remember, like, probably growing up, their food was very different than ours. I think that, I think that probably makes a huge difference. Yeah. that's that's so true. You know. Hmm. So, because I anyways. feel like if you think about like any sort of system of structure and like the physical world, like the foundation makes so much of a difference. So maybe you start throwing like cancerous stuff like on your later cells, but like the dense base cells weren't that fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe it's easier to do. It'll with. catch up to him when he's like 120. That's know? really funny. Yeah. He still drives too. It's terrifying. I don't know. I don't know if there's like a conclusion to these thoughts that are like, no, cause that that's, this is the world. This is what we're living in. There's no conclusions. That's why everyone freaks out all the time. There's no definitive answer here other than like trying to make the most of, of what you got. Yeah. I do I do believe there is some inherent imperative to be on the side of things that are generative and kind and good. Like I have a weird yeah. weird thing about like what I think God is at this point in my life is like less of a it's something it, it and even the way they describe it in biblical things or whatever as like uh, it, it's it, it's a mind that we couldn't comprehend. It's I don't think it's a mind like we have. Like there's no ego attached to it. I think of it more like a force like of like like the coefficient of light speed or like gravity or something like just a rule of the universe, but that favors existence over non-existence. Hmm. And that like if there and the proof for me is that things exist because it makes no sense. Like none of this makes any kind of yeah. sense, especially in the eternal vastness of the universe that like this rock, like maybe some alien biology, like, uh, you know, some, some like organism on a rock fell onto this planet and then like we had oxygen and water. And so it could be a thing. And now we do this. Now we make podcasts. It's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, that, that is like, to me, the idea of like the Yahweh Shaitan, like the positive thing, the goodness in the universe is something that is generative and wants more of existence. And that would then correlate with like kindness and generosity, anything that encourages growth, encourages new things, curiosity, whatever, mm-hmm. versus the instinct to like stop things, shut things down, move to stasis, turn it all off. And like, that's like, bad but that like yeah in the face of like meaningless of like why and what are we doing and as before the lights just turn off at the end of the movie or whatever like there's something i still and i might just be convincing myself that i feel confident or comfortable or like feel better about there being a meaning but it does seem to me like creating encouraging creation and like somehow that trickles down to me in my mind of like the web of tree of things to like laughter, like yeah. making more good things. So that's your religion, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Do you have like a religion like that? I think we're probably pretty similar in that way. Yeah. I just trying to do good yeah. and put out good and be kind. Yeah, that's challenging how huh? it's like the YouTube world and stuff sometimes. Yeah, totally. What do you feel like you're going to do next with it? I don't know. 
I've worked with kids forever. I know. I was going to say, I mean, I told you, I, you, whatever. It's hard to make these things like super smooth and I like to, but like, I think that about you. I'm going to say it now on the recording instead of before that, like you have always had in my life and in my observations of you um, from afar, a very like encouraging, supportive energy. And I was thinking that about like, for me personally, like, um, cause we met on my music and we just like got along, but then it was that and just an interpersonal quality. But then like I got this job because like a clever, I, I've done tons of work with them over the years because of you just saying a nice thing, watching it from afar in public with like all the, the Shane stuff and things like that. And then like, and then like, um, your life, the princess party stuff, teaching children about like music that like, there's something in you that, <sighs> protection isn't the right word, but encouragement or nurturing something. I don't know. What is that? Maybe it is maternal. I have no idea what it is. Maybe we're just meant to do certain things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's empathy too. I feel like super empathetic. What do you tell me? Say more about that, about empathy in your mind, like what that is or why it is or what, why? I don't know why it is. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse because I take on people's energies. Yeah. So like if, you know, if you came in here with a weirdo energy, well, you kind of did, but, mm-hmm. That's me. <laughs> but I like understand that. But like, if you came in with a negative, it's really hard for me not to also feel that. Yeah. Um, I can like sense it right away and I can feel it. So when someone's hurting and I hurt, mm-hmm. which is like kind of like sounds beautiful, but it's also like kind of destructive sometimes for me. Yes. So like if I go to an audition and a lot of people are nervous, I'm I'm Dude. not only am I nervous for myself, but then I'm picking up on everyone else's. Well, that enter the YouTube world. I mean, I, it took me a long, I think because I was just numb out to a lot of my feelings and maybe you have some resonance with that. But like, things like VidCon or, or things like events of people Exhausting. and these things, very tough. Yeah. Some of them. And, and now I can, and that's audition rooms, very yeah. hard to go in and like people I are like these tumblers, these overfilled glasses that, that slosh out so hard. It's hard. It's really hard. So I think maybe some of that like maternal, like trying to, like I'm really like concerned for the people that watch my stuff and I want to like help everyone and like I want to teach children and I want to do all that stuff. Like I think that's. Do you have any actually do you have because I think a lot of people might resonate with that. Like what do you do to protect against that to maintain empathy not just turn off but like to maintain your sense of like boundary or where you are and. It's really like hippy dippy. Okay. So my mom's like best friend is a medium, Mm -hmm. which means she can like talk to dead people. Sure. Which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, That's another podcast for another day. Like Mm -hmm. she's crazy. I've had some crazy experiences with her, but she always told me, and I've heard this from other people to like envision wrapping yourself in something that feels protective. So like find a color that feels protective. A lot of times they say white for me, it's like gold and like a Mm. fabric that feels or like some sort of, not fabric, you know what I mean? Like what material to, material to visualize. So basically you're like, oh, you visual- okay, got it. You're visualizing putting, wrapping yourself or your car when you're driving, whatever, oh. or airplane when you take off in this, like wrapping before you step out your door Wow. to sort of like, that's really she- good. It's a shield. I like that to shield yourself. And it's just like a visualization exercise. You like, and you, and you just like, you picture this thing specifically, color, yeah. vi- like material, yeah. and then like it's like the um, 
you wrap yourself in this shield it's or this blanket thing. You're like, I am in this and thing. And you're good safe to go. Now. Yeah. That's Which really is cool. like, I don't know, you know, whether you think visualizations work or not, but like, no, I think they do. There's, I, I experience it most strongly. Um, the thing that made me think of immediately with uh, jujitsu and stuff like that. I remember <clears throat> I've done a few tournaments this year. It was the first time for like seven years that I competed again. And I just, I, I learn a lot about myself and other things. And it's really good for my brain and soul, like to do combat sports. And yeah, you can channel some weird stuff. Like I remember the first one that I did cause I just wanted to, I needed it. I needed it to go well. I think I needed to channel some dark stuff. I needed, I needed a win in a kind of a way that I, the way I visualize, I, you turn into a different creature. Like before yeah. getting on the mat, I was like, as you step on the mat, you, I visualize sometimes I would do this lifting and stuff too. Sometimes I'd visualize like, turning into a wolf or something Hmm. like I'd visualize like my face getting longer and my teeth getting longer and my higher functioning thinking disappears but suddenly my smelling and my hearing is better and I feel all these things I feel like I get faster and stronger and I do it I like picture all of this and it works Hmm. Uh, and similarly like sometimes like within that kind of rolling uh, that kind of like combat of state um, I've said in tournaments some stuff sometimes just visualization in your mind. Um, sometimes a game of, I just call it denial. Like there's different ways to do jujitsu. My favorite one is just to flow and receive and be like, let's see where we're going and blah, blah, blah. But if you're doing like really hard style sometimes, or if you're in a spot that's like kind of 50, 50, you could go like the, the sweep could work or not, or somebody could choke you out or not. Sometimes like just absolute denial in my mind going like, no, like literally saying no in my mind and being like, that's not going to work. Almost laughing it off. Even if the attempt is very strong, even if there's something very destabilizing happening to you, just going like, uh, uh-uh, that's not going to fucking work on me. Like works. Like yeah. suddenly you are stronger. You say no to it. It doesn't work. So like that kind of visualization You're tricking stuff, your brain almost. It's just like, yeah. it's another form of self talk. A hundred percent. I came up with someone when I was a kid I just thought and I think this is true I don't know where it came from but it was like I just think greatness is the easiest thing in the world that's what I would always tell myself greatness is the easiest thing in the world and it was like the weirdness of like if you sprint or something, you do running sprints, it's like the day that you beat your time by the most you've ever done, the, the day you like lift a certain amount, like, and you just go like, how long was that? And they tell you, cause it felt like nothing. It felt like jogging. The hardest punch you ever throw feels like no effort. Like there's something to like, that when we are less than our greatest, strongest selves, it is actually us putting on, it is like us taking on hindrances hmm. and the more you can the easier a thing is the great you know like think about like me on stage or something or performing like when you act like or like when you're thinking about it and you're all worried totally you know, the That's, days you don't even think about what you're doing you're like yes <sighs> a million percent yeah when i can like click in and not think about anything else i fucking nail it yeah exactly. it's when you're in your head which is why auditions are so hard yeah which is why like you get all these jobs that you don't give a shit about and then like the yeah. thing you love you can never yeah that's like such a hard thing to cultivate like that ability to be like oh yeah when they're like just don't worry like all my ma- managers <laughs> and agents are always just like just have fun at the audition and it's like no it's not i can't i actually can't i really have a hard time but then if i book the job and i'm on set then the pressure's yes a, a lot more well, off that's that's uh a thing I think universally true and I think is really fucked up about the business of acting or whatever is like the business of being a person or whatever is like auditioning is not acting and being good at auditioning is not 
being good at acting and vice versa and just how much better you are when you've got the job when you're treated this is again to the thing of like this lie of challenge everybody and then the best will come out in yeah, them. Yeah, it's yeah. like no 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 believe in people yeah. and see what happens like if I know I've got the job I'm working with friends we're doing a thing blah 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 you, you you play you go let's try this one what do you want to try this oh I got yeah. a really funny and you're just like well because the confidence is like built in there and you don't have to like spend all your energy worrying if you're good enough you're like oh no right. I'm I'm great let's do this I really love that rapping visualization thing I think that's yeah so good. it's awesome you should it, it's good it's protective because it's like there's also a thing like armor can be very heavy like you yeah know? that's why it's usually like a white light instead it's like something that's just like. So I do it every time I get on an airplane. Really? Yeah, I wrap that airplane up. That's amazing. Yeah. I, when I'm on an airplane and I start to get anxious, is <laughs> I literally think like, well, I'm not going to survive the crash, you know? <laughs> I think shit like that all the time. So, too. but it's, it's like helpful to me yeah. because I'm like, the what is, I'm like, what is my fear here? Is the yeah. fear dying or is the fear, if the fear is like, I can understand a fear of being like paralyzed from my nose down that's and then my being problem. trapped. That's, see, that's a lack of control. We just took it all the way back. That yes. shit scares me. Like I'm afraid of getting sick and having to be in the hospital. Like I'm afraid of like being out of control mm-hmm. of my body in one yes. way or another. You know, like having someone else have to control my body or... Yeah. I think that's interesting. Maybe this goes to my jujitsu thing too because that's the whole thing is like control. Is like... Is like uh, control surrender of control because it's sub- literally submission grappling if somebody's choking you out and you can't do anything about it you're you have no control of your experience except to tap to submit to it and then they like oh and you continue on your you know whatever and you get to do it over and over again and there's something about like learning that like the harder you try to control something you can't control the more unhappy you be yeah. only when you submit to it does it yeah. like is there relief that shit's hard it's hard <laughs> it is hard but I found the reason I like the plain one it's funny that I just think about it like there's a thing in this like Hagakure which was like this booklet that I guess like a samurai wrote about his like lifestyles of samurai and the philosophies of samurai and there's a lot of like it's a lot of zen principles but then put through this weird funnel to this weird like mercenary role in society of like being a warrior but there's a thing I think about a lot where he goes the daily meditation on one's own death and they like they visualize they describes visualizing and then it's very Leviticus like the different ways like I might die but like imagining your own death being read like preparing for it assuming it's already happened being like getting cut or arrowed or whatever Jesus. and then he's like because only then are you capable of action like if you're trying to preserve this nonsense right. thing you can't move forward like freely and when I'm on a plane and the turbulence starts to get crazy or whatever I literally go like I'm not going to survive. There's nothing for me to preserve here. But can't you say that about life in general now? That's what I'm trying to do is going like, well, no one gets out alive. So like if I know I'm going to die, then I can just enjoy it like a roller coaster. I can be like, oh, these bumps and turbulence are kind of fun actually. You know, they're going, oh, feel that thrill in like my weird organism. Like my my butt's clenching up and my guts feel weird because of like this fear. And it becomes like life because it comes in amusement park. Like all of your gross and scary and bad feelings can be experienced, you know, maybe along the same lines, but just on different end of the spectrum as joy, as silliness, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Like the idea that like hate and love are close to each other, like the somatic sense of big feeling, whether positive or negative is not that different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like when you get excited, uh, the thrill of someone you love and that kind of like sexy feeling, like, isn't that different from anxiety? You know, like your heart and the tension. And I think it's uh, empowering to be able to like recontextualize your, somatic experience. I used to do that with stage fright. I'd be like, well, 
this this stage fright isn't me being debilitatingly afraid. It's adrenaline. It's game time. That's what they I always tell you to do, right? Shift it's this. excitement. Yeah, totally. Right. I, I don't know. It will work for me sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, you know, sometimes, sometimes yes. you don't meet the challenge that day. But sure. I don't know. That I just like that. That's like really a, a, a nice way to like take control of your like this rapping, this sort of visualizing this like We're all gonna die anyway. We're all gonna fucking die. No <laughs> one gets out alive. Spoiler alert. Spoiler fucking alert. Yeah. Oh jeez. Um, maybe that's a good segue to like my six quick cues. We'll do like I think let me do a pee. I like to do a pee break and then I really gotta pee. And then we'll finish up. Thank okay, you. cool. And we're back on. Okay. I'm really glad we did a pee break. I was getting nervous there. I know. It's it's necessary. It's necessary. All that LaCroix. <laughs> yeah. I know it's trendy, but I really do like it. I love it. I think it's weird that it became so trendy because it's been around like forever. Yeah. Why is it so trendy? I don't know. Yeah. I also think it is better than the other flavored sparkling waters. I haven't tried many, but. I have. Although I do like, I also like that there's like, you can tell there's different bubble levels in different brands. Ooh. Topo Chico is the spiciest of the spicy waters. There's I call it spicy, spicy water, water? That's what I call it. Okay. <laughs> Sparkling water. Spicy water. Oh. It's like water, <laughs> but spicier. I like sparkly water. <gasps> sparkly when I was wine. a kid, my dad called it power water. Ooh. I thought that was funny when I was a kid. Power water. Power water. All right. We're going to do the six quick cues, which okay. is um, little cues I ask everybody basically on this pod. Oh my God. That gives it some sense of format, format or something like that. All right. Have you ever been diagnosed with any mental illness or disorders or whatever? Yes. What do you whatever. got? Oh my God. Boy, do I have a list. Uh, one time my therapist, like before anyone told me what was wrong with me, uh, she like started to tell me and she just kept listing things. So I was like, okay, oh. we're good. We're good. We're good. First it was like generalized anxiety. Therapist or like a psychiatrist? Therapist? Therapist. Or, okay. Uh, first, you know, generally generalized anxiety, depression, like in college. But now we have nailed it down, folks. Cool. It is... OCD. Oh, legit. Yeah, legit. Yeah. What's the difference between that? And like, cause you know, a lot of people go like, oh, I'm so OCD. I just like things to be, but like, what is, what constitutes having OCD? Mine's like a thought OCD. Okay. Like, so, and like routine, but see, it, it all kind of goes together. Right. Okay. So like I have anxiety. Sorry, I didn't cut you off. That's all right. OCD. That's all right. Anxiety. A lot of it is social anxiety, which I told you about. So the OCD sometimes comes in to help deal with the anxiety. So I'm a, I'm a extreme creature of habit mm-hmm. to a point of like, if I don't do my routine, it's really going to fuck me up Got it. because my routine keeps me safe yes. and keeps my anxiety at bay. Right. So like those two kind of go hand in hand. I definitely have a little bit of like medical anxiety as well. Medical anxiety, is that what they call it? Like hypochondria? I No. Yeah. It's more like, yeah, I guess it is. I'm just always worried that like something's, I'm not worried that I'm sick, but I'm always worried that something's like, I'm always worried about getting sick, I guess. Yeah, maybe Interesting. Do you get sick yeah. a lot? No. I, it's more like, it's because I'm worried. I'm worried. No, a little bit. I'm worried. Not like sick. Like I'm going to get a cold. I'm worried. I'm going to get out of control. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to pass out in public. It all like is connected. And I don't know what, I guess I do, but like, I don't need to share all that on the podcast. Does OCD kind of stuff get into like superstition vibes? Like, you know what I'm like? Meaning like ritual, like you said, I've got my rhythms. I know that they work. Um, That makes me feel more safe kind of a thing. 
I have like a few superstitions, but not like I don't lock the door like a million bajillion times. Right, right. It's just like control. It's just controlling control. my environment, controlling my, so like going. So if my boyfriend plans something with his friends and invites me, it's a little more challenging because I'm not in control of mm-hmm. that. And I don't know how, how that's going to go. Right. Like if I plan something, then at least I know like how this is going to go. Right. I know it sounds so absurd, but this no. is just like what I like. This is what I deal with. And this is like, right. This what, is my, jam. what helps you. Does it help you like in dealing with it? Has it helped you to like, like we were talking about that death stuff, right? Like yeah. for me, I was like, it helps, it helps me to be like, we're all going to fucking die. Self, and once I pass through the barrier, perhaps then the concerns of the mortal coil can be thought of in a different way. If I, if I give up trying to preserve sure. something, but like what, does it help you to like, just to lean into ordering your world and environment more or like, like, okay, here's another example. Like I have this uh, ADHD and stuff and I have a lot of, I've been very chaotic my whole life. So I've found in recent history doing some like exercise things that like I've been, I'll record all my food like in a, in an app and do things like that, that like, or I've been making to-do lists every morning, but let's say on the food one, because the food one's more extreme is like, I could see that being bad for some people. Like, especially if I have like, I even think sometimes in the past I've had like disordered eating, not yeah. like full on eating disorders, but I yeah. just think too much about it yeah, or I yeah. always need some system that I'm on. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I have found it's actually been very calming and empowering to be like, I, now I'm learning what food science is, like what's in food and what do I eat and da 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 that like I wouldn't recommend for everybody, like right. record all your stuff, but like it's helping me. So I'm asking that like for you, like kind of this trigger warning thing too, like for you, fa- does facing the thing that's hard for you by you being gotta like- You got to push yourself. You got do it. Do you think so? Like with yeah, your anxiety but stuff. I also do think that there's something okay about, I think it's a balance. Like I do have to push myself. Otherwise I will become agoraphobic, like quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that it's okay to like cancel a plan because you yes. really need to take care of yourself and you- this is just not, today is not the day to push myself. You know what yeah. I mean? I think it's a balance. And it's also just talking about it helps. Yeah. And being, and then, and then having a partner that you can talk to it or a friend that you can be open or a family member and yeah. be like, okay, I'm totally want to do this because I want to be a part. I don't want to miss out, but here's how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Just vocalizing it sometimes helps. Yeah. Sometimes or like having out an out plan. Like I have a friend that like has a weird, like, same kind of thing, but she has a weird anxiety about throwing up. Like she's like worried she's going to throw up. This is a common thing. I think I've heard of this. It's yeah. crazy, right? So it's just like having a plan, like just keep a bag with you, you know, like, wow. or like when I go to the movies, sometimes I get anxious. Um, and so it's like, well, just sitting on the edge, sitting on the end. Yeah. So I know like if I need to get up and run and do whatever I need to do. That's so funny. I always had the same, um, I've get, now I don't have it as much. It's funny airplanes come up again, but I always wanted the aisle seat. And the real answer was, I was like, no, this is the combat position. Huh. <laughs> was I was like, I there's no way I can defend myself or spring into action or do something if something bad happens from the middle or the other seat. Like think how hard it is to get up to like shuffle past to get to the totally. bathroom. And I was like, here I feel empowered that I won't be so fucking helpless. It's all about it's, and it's a crazy person thought. Like that doesn't happen. Like there's yeah. no you know. But everyone's got like the more people you talk to and the more relationships you've been in. And I just say that because like you get to yeah. really know someone. Restaurants. I had the same thing with restaurants. I had to face the door. I didn't. And, uh, and that's since, a very common yes, though. I've given that one up actually pretty well. Now I'm like, 
I don't know. I feel like I'm proud of like the the itch in my back of my head is gone more so just because I'm like, ah, I'm living life, yeah. you know? And well, usually everyone's like, got these, like everyone has these things. Just some are like yeah. a little bit more like some people just have it a little bit more and like that's that's me. Yeah. So you said uh, internalized anxiety, OCD, and is that where we yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, those, those are, are those are the big social anxiety and, yeah. and OCD are like I like what you said. That's interesting you know, about like the moderating like the behaviors, like kind of like honoring them, knowing when it's important to acknowledge, like this is not going to be good for me today to yeah. go do this thing. And stop judging yourself. Like that was the big like breakthrough I had in therapy where it's like everything I do, I like judge myself and instead to be like curious about it. Like yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling anxious about this and I'm fucking mad about it because this is this, this. And it's like, wait, 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 that's only going to add fuel to the fire. Step right. back and be like, I'm feeling anxious about this. That's curious. Why am I feeling that? Yes. Self-inquiry. Yeah. I've been, I feel like that is kind of universally becoming the answer to almost every problem Yeah, is like being, which again, curiosity is a virtue maybe like, so not just outward curiosity. Like when I hear the word curiosity, I think of like going to museums and stuff like that and learning trivia, but like that truly a curiosity about like any reaction you have or feeling you have going like, why am I doing this? Is this true? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Is this true? Totally. I I think I got that from my mom late, later on. I, I used to joke about it. Cause she's oh a person. I have a very big guard dog here. Yeah, this well, your dog's very helpful and protective, and it's great. Good, good, job. good girl. Good job. You did it. Yes. <laughs> that final. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. That like inquiry. That's yeah. interesting to hear you say that because that seems like that's coming up a lot. The people who are getting a handle on their stuff are really living in that yeah. inquiry instead of judgment. Be curious. Instead of ju- that's actually a very good. I've never heard that. Yeah, like to that's put it the in one that, that like finally clicked with me. It was inquiry like, versus judgment. Yeah. Instead of being judgmental, be curious. The word curious, beautiful. Like for some reason, like resonated with me. So I think that's actually. I was. Uh, well, I saw the Mr. Rogers movie recently. I really love. I mean, obviously, it's so good. But one of the things that really blew me away was he describes this experience because he was like worked the child psychologist a lot. He like studied that some like the biggest one. And that was his thing. It wasn't like an accident. He was like a pastor who became, you know, that was always his thing working with children. And something that really struck me was like his ability to get inside the mind of like how children receive the world. And one of the things uh, that, that like early on, like the first season of his show I, I didn't even remember this from it, but like a lot of Mr. Rogers, he dealt with like real world fucked up things. Like there was an assassination, like Robert Kennedy got assassinated and he, and he um, has this sketch where like one of the puppets, Daniel, the little tiger who they say was like him. They think that who's that basically long story short was like, um, asks what assassination is like, Whoa. and yeah, it's crazy. And then the person's like, have you been hearing that word a lot lately? And they're like, yeah. And they say, well, it's when somebody kills someone, it's a surprise or something like that. And, what struck me was the next thing that the puppet says, this child says is like, that sounds really scary. And the, the thought that there's not a moral judgment that like a child doesn't receive the world's morality. That's good or bad. They go like that's scary or safe is kind of the vibe. Hmm. And I, and realizing that we never really shake that. And yeah. so having a reaction instead of having the instinct to, like you said, judgment versus curiosity, judgment inherently places like this civilized human sense of morality and order onto an organic reaction where you go like, I'm going to judge this. Is this good or bad? What is this thing? Instead of 
having an observation, even like empirical scientific approach, which is just interested in observation. I have a reaction or, or somebody else does something. And instead of... It's the tough love. It, yes. The, instead of the tough love, right? Yeah. We go, why, why is that? That's interesting. What's that right. about? That's really cool. All right. Yeah. All right. I love it. Thanks. I'm actually going to keep that one for a long time. Uh, okay. Two related to the first question. Have you done any kind of therapy? Uh, and also have you been prescribed or otherwise tried medica- medications or drugs or anything to cope? Like for me, I mean, I, I just include that cause some people, I mean, I think I self-medicated for a long time before I got real medication. Yeah, totally. You know? I definitely self-medicated. Uh, I finally went on medication. I've been on medication now for maybe a year. Oh, me and too. It, for real saved my life. Not saved it. I wasn't like, I wasn't like in self harm, but it like gave me life. Did your, do you, you have a good psychiatrist you feel? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of go to like a little bit of a hippy dippy doctor. That's um, great though. And who's not quick to do medication. And I was resisting for years, years and years. I mean, I've really tried everything I did. You, I mean, I did all the steps, Mm -hmm. right? I did everything. Um, but at some point it was just like, I, really got close to like not leaving the house. Like really, like I could see where agoraphobia like yeah. could happen. And I was like, this isn't living like everywhere I would go. I would be like, so I, it becomes a physical thing for me. The anxiety where it's like the room is spinning and this, and my heart is beating. And like, just to go to the mall was like a to do. And like every store I walked in, I was like, Oh, like literally I felt like I was in like a, Picasso painting like mm. everywhere I go colors were spinning especially when I would travel I mean God just was like absurd wow. where I was like I can self-talk all the fuck I want but like this is like this is not you can't live like this mm-hmm. this isn't living so there's like a physical thing going on oh yeah I turned turned physical so even if I can mentally like I got to the point where I was self-aware enough of what was happening which yeah. is half the battle because right. if you don't know what's happening it's terrifying But even so, it was like, I'm still having this, like, it's a learned behavior that your body immediately, it's probably from some trauma way back in the, you know, snaps into. So it was just like, this isn't living. I, I, I have to do medication Mm -hmm. and it like, oh, I mean, I'm not cured. I still have moments where I'll like walk in, like I was in the mall yesterday and I had a moment where I had to be like, okay, this is just, this is, I know what this is. This is just a physical reaction. Talk myself through it and like go. So I still like, per- yeah. I still deal with it, but totally. it, it cuts the edge off like yep. tremendously. And I could like be a human again. That's been my experience as well. Very resonant with a lot of that different fit literal things. Like yeah. meaning like I was, mine was mostly the ADHD stuff and depression stuff, but um, like the ADHD in particular, I'm still like finding like a, so important things I want to like reiterate that you said, because I make this point a lot. I like to ask people their medications because I don't think people talk about medications a lot of the yeah. time. Um, they are demonize it or they try to sell it to you or whatever. And like you said, I think it's very important. And also probably the medication won't even be that effective if you don't exhaust your inner work first. Yeah. Like you don't try. You have to do both. Yeah. You have to, you do, have to both. do both. Because now, now the pill is not a magic bullet. It's definitely no. made it more man. It, my, um, I have a friend who said about taking medicine what it felt like was now you were just able to use the tools that you developed. Yes, because like I'm saying, I still had to use my tools. Yes. But beforehand, I would use my tools and nothing would happen. Yes. This is like I used my tools and like... Yeah, like when I first took ADD medication, um, I was like 
it was like exactly the same. Like, oh, like, oh my God, a, a somatic difference that was like so night and day. But then especially as you get on or like, okay, well, I still need to live with myself. I still have these thoughts and tendencies. I still need to like, now I'm getting very into like schedules a little bit more and lists. And like when I wake up in the morning, I just make a to-do list. Yeah. Like, and it might literally say dishes and, you know, or, or this one phone call or like. Yeah, but that I understand. I could see how that would. Yeah. It just gives me something. We have like very opposite issues. Yes. But, but I, we come at it from a very like yeah. similar mental. I wonder that's so, cause I, I feel like there's something that like our, our manifestation is, is op, is opposite. But like the over empathy thing that you described and like a lot of just kind of the way you process that we've always communicated feels very kindred. So I think it's because we're both in our heads a lot yeah. and, we over, and we think about things like at nauseum, but I think it then. But there's also like an input that constantly is coming that you can't deny. Like that empathy yeah. you're talking about, like you're we're constantly just processing, feeling. processing them differently maybe. Yeah. And yours comes out like a whirlwind and mine comes out in... Yeah. I don't know. It's it. Yeah. It, Cause, um, well I heard somebody say about like a ADHD that like, I think they describe it like it wasn't that you like a thing happens with ADHD. Like, like even the idea of like what we picture as like somebody hyperactive in adults, especially sometimes like this had a, a, a lot, I think it was like a majority of people who have it. You won't even manifest outwardly like, Oh, scattered behavior, which it's I do, but it's a, it, yeah, they call it internal, uh, emotional hyper arousal huh. so that you are like constantly like life is so fucking big for you. Um, that it is like sort of, I mean, the way I've always, I've, I've come to interpret and feel it and describe it is like everything gets bogged up at the door, like at the, like the doorway is too small and it's like a crowd of people trying to get out at once instead of getting in a nice neat line. And huh. so everything just freezes, but I, it's just interesting oh, to hear like what you describe and what I experience are both versions of like massive input processing, like yeah. capability, but all, then there's like somewhere in the chain, there's a there's like a thing that can't do it. There's like, like a bottleneck. Yeah. You know? Huh. Yeah. It's weird. Human brains, man. Yeah. I, I also wonder that about like, because of like, what are our brains equipped to handle and like how much of we've added in this like society and people and that may, yeah, that's kind of a wild, like it's amazing. We're doing as well as we are. Yeah. But like that, I think it's perfectly understandable. Like that everybody's going a little crazy mm-hmm. because you're like, there's a lot of new shit There's that our a brain's lot. Like trying to keep up with. Yeah. Um, on the heels. Okay, so that was that. That was. Oh, and then hold on, let me see my questions then, because I, I feel like I don't know if it's a different question or if it's that one. Um. Oh, and therapy. You did therapy too. You said you you go yeah. therapist. Yeah, you yeah. Still go therapist. Uh, no, right now I'm not. I kind of got to the point. I yeah. go in waves, but I got me to too. the point where I was like, I'm actually like really like liking where I am, and I don't have anything right now that I really need to unpack. And I kind of just want to sit with this. Yes. You know, I had that same experience. There was, you reach a point where you're like, like, I, I wonder this about my, about medication sometimes too, is like, I don't know that I'm going to do medicine my whole life. Sometimes I feel like there's aspects of it that are like triage or that are like to keep you strong enough to start working on some things. And then you can start to take your training wheels off. But if you never had them in the first place, you'd never be able to. But therapy, I think it's, it is important to like, that there is, there is like a very deep importance to reflecting on and dissecting your experience. But at a certain point you have to go like, okay, and now I'm going to go and do some things with it. But be open to like, okay, but like there's no shame in going back if like, 
an issue should arise or a new challenge should arise right. that like I don't have the tools to like see. I, I you know, I'm going to keep coming back that like judgment, that curiosity versus judgment yeah. is just like if I have the reaction like because that is a, a failing for me, even even deep into like um, one's process and I've worked stuff out that you go like, oh, well fuck, I feel like I got to go back to therapy or this isn't where I'm depressed again. What am I doing? Oh, I'm such a fuck up. Oh, I thought yeah, I was good. Failure. And it like makes it worse, but that's because you're instantly in judgment again. Instead of going like, oh, how interesting. Or like, yeah. well, I wonder why this is coming back up again. What's different in the input? And it's very funny how much that keeps happening. We're like, I start to feel shitty again. And people, and I'm like, I don't know why. Nothing, nothing different. I don't know why this is happening yeah. out of nowhere. And then Defensive. you think about it for like 10 minutes and you're like, oh, well, this is different and this is, and that's kind of a lot and that's a change. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, the next question is, uh, I don't know why I can't just remember the six questions every time. Oh, uh, what's something cheesy that you find inspiring? Um, so we've talked like a lot of shit about the internet. Yes. But there are some great videos out there that really like the little viral ones that yeah. really like, I watched this one the other day and it was like, or was it on the news? Maybe it was on the news, but it probably is also viral. It's like, there was a, oh God, race car or what's this like things where they run into each other? I like, don't understand. Bumper cars? No, it's like, it's like a sport. Where, demolition derby? Yeah, I think it was a demolition thing. Okay. And it was like three cars and they were, they were like ramming into each other. And there was like a guy on the outside that kind of like keeps, I don't know if he was a security guard or whatever. Huh. Anyways, at some point a car like went up and one of the big concrete partitions like fell on this guy on his leg. Whoa. And all of a sudden, people started hopping over, like people that were watching, yeah. hop, and like everyone like came in to help cool. and move the car. And it was like one of like a most inspiring, beautiful things mm -hmm. that like humanity exists, even in this like really, that's such a like intense situation with people that just like to see things get fucked up. Like yeah. the least likely right. people, in my opinion, like yeah. total judgment call, but like all came together to like yeah. help this guy out and that's they a, just kept yeah. coming. It was awesome. That is awesome. That's really good. Yeah. I think that's like in, in like the incongruous thing about it too. Like you would think, I don't know. Like, I think I like that about like combat sports. Like it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes and uh, and more often than you'd think, like these two guys are trying to murder each other. Like that's, they're paid and that's what they do. They train to do. They get in the cage till they fight. And then as soon as one of them's knocked out, the other one's like helping him up and they're like hugging and they're like, that was a really good fight. And like this weirdness of like, sort of like this thing, like we, they, all these humans in this, this thing acknowledge like, yeah, we want to see some shit smash into each other, get broken up. There's some destruction instinct of this. That's really fun. But as soon as things get real, everyone's like, yeah. whoa, 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 we got to help this guy. That's like, there's almost like a weird, like the whole experience is about an acknowledgement of your humanity and your like togetherness. So like when something bad happens, we all like, yeah. that's really beautiful. Oh, I want to back up slightly because I was, I meant to ask this in the therapy uh, question too. Like, do you have any like self-care practices that you recommend or that you like, like the one you did earlier, I think about the wrapping is really yeah. good, but do you have anything like else like that, that has helped you with like, that isn't medication or therapy that are like, are things that you just like to do for the OCD or for things or whatever. I mean, exercise for me. Yeah. A routine, which is like a little counterintuitive to OCD, but like having a routine does help. Um, but like, I am very like, 
anal about yeah. <laughs> doing some form of exercise pretty much every day. Yeah. Do you like cardio or weights or yoga? I do or like, both. I do them all. So you like, just, I, you're just like a gym person. Like a, well, I'll do like spin. I don't like gyms cause they like scare me. <laughs> no, I totally get no, They're d- like that's, so overwhelming. Yes, yes. But I do like, uh, I do spin class, which is like going to church. Um, cause you, it's so like, you got to stay in, in the present. Yeah. Otherwise you check out just like you were saying, yeah. and you're like, it's so hard to do unless you're really like present. And I also take a, like a weightlifting class, which is like, feels good and empowering. And yeah. I'm trying to do some yoga cause I know that's good sure. for me. I just so started to do the weights thing too. Cause I think even in our culture, like I guess it's changing, but I still think there's a prevalent thing of like women aren't uh, taught about strength. Dude, I feel so powerful when I do it. I love it. And usually a lot of times, like, it's all women in that class. And it's rad. And we're, like, just, like, fucking weightlifting and shit. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I I feel great after. Why? What what do you think? I'm just curious, like, your feelings about, like, doing strength work. Why I do it? Yeah, or or what what you feel. I guess I'm, I'm mining for something a little bit just because... I just, I've been in the physical cult in the world a lot. Like a common yeah. thing still is like a woman w- will be presented with like, oh, you should lift some weight. They're like, I don't want to get bulky or you're in that kind oh, of stuff. I, you know what I'm saying? That drives me nuts. It drives me nuts from a scientific standpoint, yeah. like to oh. try to explain to people. That's like such, that's such an old school mentality. And like, I'm not even going to fight right. people on that. Cause it's just like, of course. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, so what do you, what did you find? Like, I know what I get out of physical activity, but like, what are, I don't know if you could just expand on that a little bit. I mean, I think, it helps like just my energy level, like completely it turns like any sort of anxiety or mm-hmm. like revved upness that isn't positive. Yeah. It like helps kind of like sort yeah. that out. And like, I don't know if I, f- I guess I'm like proud of myself. I feel proud of myself yeah. that like, if I like squat more, like mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, today I squatted 70. Like I just like feel cool. I don't know. Yeah. Oh. I also like see a change in my body, but yeah. I think it's just like endorphins. And yeah. It just, yeah. I feel like icky if I just lay around. I agree. I think the more like conscious and present you are to it with it, the more in touch with it you, you get with your experience, the more it's hard to like not like it makes your body happy to like, yeah. like the way it makes a dog happy to run around. Like yeah. To, yeah. The, the body change thing I think is also like good and fine. Meaning like it's problematic. I'm going to keep this forever, man. This is so good. This is such a good paradigm. This, this imagination or um judgment, uh, curiosity thing, because like that is the fate. I try to explain to people, but that's a great way to put it is like, if you are stuck in a place of judgment with your body and your attachment to it and your sense of like, I'm a good or bad person based on how I look or, or whatever, that's horrible. That's not going to help anybody in the world, but it is a really delightful, like curiosity. Like I, I delight in like my physical form knowing and having experience, like I can change it. I can make it, take it this way or that way. And it's just a, and it's not a, a, a good or bad thing. It's a product of, what macronutrients and physical demands do you place on yeah. it? And it's no longer about like, I'm a piece of shit cause I'm uh, my body fat percentage or something like that. It's just like, no, this is this thing that you have some control over if you want to. And, and some lack, of, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's something like much healthier to just like treat it as this like curious little yeah. thing you ride around in. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Getting to the last couple. Um, Oh, what's something dark about you? I mean, where do we begin? Well, what do you want? I mean, you can go as you can do whatever you want here. I just think, you know, 
we spend a lot of time talking about how great we are, how like bright we are, and I think let's let's normalize a little bit of our darkness, you know, that oh, everyone's I'm like got it. Super dark. Uh, I was thinking about this because you sent me this question prior, and I was yeah. like, oh god, and I feel like a bunch of things popped into my head, <laughs> but now the only one I can remember is pretty dark. Um, I so. I have like this ability to like fight with myself. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes lose track of what's what I really feel versus what I want to feel. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like a spiral. Like I, I, and then I, I can't sort the two out. It's like, it's like, I'm, it's very confusing to me. No, that's very interesting. Cause that is, that's very much, it's weird. Like I think it's about acting sometimes is like, what I was going to say is it's very much uh, pertinent to that question of like the strangeness and potential morality or whatever of the reality TV YouTube thing of yeah. what's real, what's not. I'm like, when you're an actor, if you really, you're like, a part of acting is like cultivating sociopathy, like cultivating an ability to, like I was, I always say, and I still think it's true, I'm not a good liar because when you're acting, you're not lying. Like, but you can yeah. put yourself into a mindset where you're like, I could believe I could be anybody. Yeah. That's know? crazy. Right. And like, if you take that, I think that's a little crazy for, I think, but then I, but then I'm like, is like, there's a, there's this article about this woman who the scam artist, whatever that was in New York, it was so good. And it was like about this woman who like basically faked being this like jet set, bajillionaire and would hang out with all these jet set bajillionaires and like scam them all out of like money here and there. And some of it would be like, low. but you know, it was like, Oh, will you get these hotels for this weekend? I might, I, you know, whatever, and I'll meet you out there. And then the people would never ask for it. And they'd be like, well, it was only a few thousand dollars. So I just didn't think about it or whatever. And she's in like Rikers now, but the whole thing was so ambitious and so crazy. And she said, basically her whole thing was like, by the end, you kind of felt like maybe she sees the matrix. She was like, her whole point was like, if other rich people think you're rich too, like the, it doesn't to like give you money and do all this stuff and whatever. And like that basically like we just tell each other stories and pretend and blah, blah, blah. It's like all kind of pretend. Right. And, and you kind of at the end were like, I know we're supposed to feel like this woman's like, there's something wrong. She's crazy. But there was an aspect of it where you're just like, how is she that wrong? Like people like we're all just telling each other stories Whoa. about who we are and what we are. I don't know. I, I, that's maybe not a very helpful thought. And maybe this is me having the same thing as you like about like, I can convince myself of things. Like I have to have some grounding to come back to of like, no, no, this is who I am. This is reality. So This is where it gets dark. Yes. This specific situation. So because of that, I think I've had, relationships go on for too long sure. because I have convinced myself, I've been confused more so mm-hmm. like I've been confused, like, no, this is what I want. What I, so my last relationship was, was wonderful and I will never speak poorly about it because I'm very grateful for it. But there was a point in time where this is terrible, but I thought to myself, I was like, if he were to die tomorrow, like how would I like really feel like behind closed mm-hmm. doors? Yeah. Like, would I be like bawling? Would I like not be able to move on? Like, and I was like, like oh man. <laughs> I mean, not That's like so obviously good. I probably, but like I really thought hard about it. And then I was like, this is not the one for me. That's so, but that's, that's real. And I like appreciate that. I mean, I don't think, obviously I think you'd be very devastated. Like a person yeah, died. I'm not like but a demon, a, but like, there's an, <laughs> I'm not like a demon. Like relief, like, uh, like a little bit of like, Oh, well, yeah. Okay. I wouldn't have been like the love of my life has like passed away. And like, 
I just I would have been very upset as one would be I hope but like it was just like one of those like really like I had to go as dark as humanly possible to be able to like actually see my truth because I was so good yeah like I got so confused in my head because I could uh, yeah, because you're like, well, this is what I do around. now. I love this person. This and is what, yeah, this and this is, makes this sense, and this checks this list, and I'm happy, but I'm not. And then it's like, I'm happy, but like, I think deep down, I yeah. knew that there was more happiness to be had. You know, this shit's yeah, complicated. My first relationship was like, I was like 16 to 24, and I was like, damn. Um, in my head, and now I can recognize that a lot of it, I the love was real. I really loved this person, but there was also like I was young, and my family was so destabilized that like I was like I'm gonna recreate that kind of. And I, I had this weird thing then, just like you made me think of like these ideas that we have that we convince ourselves of and we can't let go of. Where it's like my idea in my head was like my parents are fucked. They made a weird magical agreement when they got married. They tied their souls together, and even though they're getting divorced, when they're dead, they're gonna be in the afterlife together. Like that's how that works. You're fucked, and like. Like this hmm. kind of thing that like I had a weird like I was like I love this person who I was in love with I love them more than I that's and you only love one time that's how it is uh. and that like I would and like I think the relationship went like way too long way past a corrosive toxic like not good thing I was not being a good person and vice versa I don't know but like it was like I was just so no, that's who I am. I love it. And like, if I had admitted that like we had changed or maybe that's not how the world, it would like somehow make the love wasn't real. Mm. And it would make, mean then that I wasn't real and yeah. I, had, I was a false person. Um, but you just, that thing, that addiction to like convincing yourself of these things that must be true because yeah. if they're not- Yeah, because what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> because it's also yeah. confusing. Yeah. But Instead if you take it back a- to the death- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like you're literally, gonna, that's yes. the most primitive, like, that's like the most basic, like, if this person died, what would that, like- that's if so we good. die, why, you know what I mean? Like it's I, so yeah. black and white when you really break it down. Yeah. I have a friend who has a thing about that, about like birthdays they're, where they're like, if, like if they don't want to go to someone's birthday that they go like, well, would you go to their funeral? And like, oh, and they're like, well, if you go to their funeral, then you should probably show up for their birthday. <laughs> and I think that's so funny. But yeah. then I'm also, the other side of it is like, yeah, but they only have one funeral, you know, <laughs> they're a fucking birthday every year. <laughs> All right. Um, that's also tied into me about the thing of like making it okay for yourself to not do the thing. Like I, I still have like a, I still have a weird, like impulsively positive reaction to cancellation in general. I call it like snow day response where it's like, it doesn't matter what it is. It can be something that I was kind of looking forward to if suddenly the event is canceled I'm like oh great great uh, fine I love that you know always Let's say there's a joy the way you described it in high school was like like it is it is fun to go but it is also fun to not go yes, and like that reaction totally. about like generally the world uh okay almost there uh what's the last gorgeous thing you saw I mean, I think I already told the story and it wasn't like a thing I saw, but I guess I saw it. But he said the thing about my grandpa, like saying he just like was sad. to He's not ready to die because he's like having such a good time. I think like. Was that recent? Yeah. Yeah. It was oh. like a couple of weeks ago. And oh, then really nice. we were in the desert in Palm Springs, which was like so fucking hot. But like I didn't occur to me that like there was going to be mountains there for some Oof. reason. Yeah. They're so beautiful. I know. I, I like, I, you're it's just funny saying- you say that because I was recently in Palm Springs also and had the same kind of reaction. We were like at this little inn that we were staying in that was like right up against those mountains. Where did you stay? 
Karakia, I think okay, it's called. Yeah. Really cute. Were we there at the same time? I maybe. A couple weeks ago? Was yeah. it a weekend? We might have been. And it was so hot. Oh, wait, no, it wasn't. It was 4th of July. It okay. wasn't a weekend for me. I didn't realize there was mountains. That's so stupid. Yeah, I They're agree. The, and they're gorgeous. Yeah. You just think like palm trees and like pool. I We talked about it earlier, I guess, but I'm becoming increasingly like, I didn't think I liked the desert. I'm increasingly like really loving the desert. Yeah, me too. It's weird. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Um, What's my last one? I should know by now. I've done this so many times. Um, oh, yeah, we're at the final. Okay, yeah, obviously. All right, I have a thing called the Don't Kill Yourself list. I mentioned it earlier. And <laughs> oh it's just, uh, I started it in a very dark time in my life yeah. where I just like would list things that are, um, mine always starts with coffee, sandwiches, and lavender soap. And they're just like- oh, I do love lavender. I use I lavender soap. Yeah. All right, so yeah, so add stuff to the list. They're just they're, oh. they're usually things that are like um, accessible, like, uh, you know, just undeniably good things in in being aliveness in the okay. three dimensions. Uh, dogs. That's a great one. And like dog kisses, anything dog related. Um, rain and books and fireplaces and wine and flowers and yeah. shitty reality TV and French fries. French fries are so good. What did you, what, do you like, what's your best, what's your ideal French fry? I love a skinny. Ooh rosemary yep. sea salt like really fry. skinny like those shoestring i like love ones. a shoestring yeah. really yeah oh wow because they're crispy yeah yeah my favorite before it was waffle cut Ooh, oh we went the opposite well cause, no because i think well, waffle, cut, waffle cut's very too. crispy because yeah. they have a lot of surface crunchy areas you know yeah i'm not really in a well once in a blue moon like a steak fry you know what i mean which is like once the in a while. opposite yeah, of like yeah, the yeah. thick a sweet potato fry always always oh, a pleasure sweet potato fry. Maybe that would be a good new question. What's your ideal fry? Fry sitch? <laughs> yeah. There's this place uh, near where I grew up was a buffalo wing place called Buffalo Joe's and they had these things called suicide fries and they would take waffle cut fries and they'd throw like the buffalo sauce and like this weird cheese and they'd like, it's that weird like Midwestern like cheese fried cheese that it's like, it's not nacho. It's not like the cheap nacho cheese, yeah. but it's also not like normal cheddar. It's like, it's almost like cream cheese. Okay. It like melts really well, but it's still like a sharp cheddar thing. Like, like if there's a fancier version of like cheese whiz, I feel like it's like, sure. a, and they would, and it was like the best thing in the world. Ironic to put the suicide French fry on the don't that kill is yourself ironic. list. Yeah. Suicide <laughs> fries get to go on. Or is it unfortunate? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, man, that's good. I feel like this is good. This is or good. Those guys li- yeah. Good lists. Uh, this is wonderful. That was wonderful. Thank you for being on my good bad brain or joining me. Thank you for joining me. What a pleasure. Yeah, I honestly think I this is really great. The um that fucking uh judgment curiosity paradigm. Dude, is I don't delightful. have any tattoos, but if I do get one, I it will be curious, I think. I, I think I would put the word curious on me to remind myself yeah. to stay curious. Yeah. There's a lot I looked them up. There's a lot to say stay curious, and that seems a little hokey, but like curious. Also, Alice in Wonderland. I know. Whole I was thing was Alice in Wonderland. Curiouser. curiouser and curiouser. And that's, that I fucking I, love. I find myself saying we are far. I, was, I keep saying we are through the looking glass over and over again these days. <laughs> just because reality feels so bizarre. We feel so like it's, we are. Yeah. Did you ever hear that theory that like, you know, the, the Large Hadron Collider? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
is this thing they developed. They they created this thing to like discover the God particle in Switzerland. It's a large hadron. It's whatever. It's a okay. scientist. It's a huge. I for sure thought you were speaking another language. <laughs> no, for this a is, okay. okay. So it's like a real thing. And there's a theory. They they basically what they were trying to do was smash these particles together to find like some evidence of this theory about the Big Bang. It's called the God particle, the Higgs okay. boson, whatever. I think they discovered. They did end up finding it, but but they do it. They, they, it's to find these building blocks of the universe. The way they do it is by basically smashing these particles so powerfully together that they dissolve, they can find, break them down in their component parts. And so nobody knew it was going to happen when they did that. Where they're like, maybe when we turn it on, we're going to like delete existence or oh like, God. you know, like maybe we'll make a little black hole over in Switzerland and then everything will, it'll be really bad. Like, cause there's always, but, but, it's, it anyway. but it's the same way that like when they, the first time they, do you know, like the first nuclear bomb before they tested it, they were like, we don't know. Like some people were like, we might just set the atmosphere on fire and kill everybody. Like they didn't know it was going to happen. Oh my God. Yeah. That makes me nervous. Science is crazy. Science. But, uh, but apparently, so whatever, when they did that with the CERN thing. So there's this really fun, one of my favorite, like little conspiracy theories because reality feels so crazy right now with yeah. like Trump and all the direct like everything just feels so madness and sure. like makes no sense up is down like there's one conspiracy theory that like when they turned the Higgs boson thing on like a two a decade and a half ago and tr- did it for the first time that they bumped us into an alternate timeline yeah. and that like all of reality is like shifting around us to this other timeline like because of that event oh, dude. I love it I need a drink. We're all going to die. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. This is delightful. And that that's a wrap. We're done now. Do you have anything else you want to say? Godspeed. I like that. Yeah. All right. Bye. Take care. <laughs> Thank you for listening to my good, bad brain. I, I'm so glad you're here. That's it. Uh, support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash my good, bad brain. Also review us wherever you find us. You know, doesn't have to be good. I'd prefer it to be good. I just want it to be passionate and true. Okay? <laughs> now I feel like I'm going to get bad ones just to, for a laugh. They will make me laugh. All right. Don't do it, please. I shouldn't reward negative attention. Uh, okay. Bye. <laughs>
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.